I remember them. They were what we used to call heroes. Taking on the armies of the Commodore 64, the good games, the terrible games, the publishers, the fans. They stood side by side and week after week played and fought through these games, so we didn't have to. I found the recording of their Breadbin Awards for 1989. It was the year they took on the big publishers and won. Welcome to this special episode to round out 1989 of Zaps to the Past. This is 1989's Golden Breadbin Awards. You probably already heard this. I'm sure Graham has done a massive intro to this. Um, he normally does. So there's, there's probably been loads of stuff that's just gone on before me, even speaking there. Um, but this is it. This is the culmination of the year. Graham, how do you feel? Well, I'm a little anxious, actually, because... Um, having, I went back and had a listen to the end of the 1988 Brisbane Awards because we had a little, you know, what were we looking forward to? You did, didn't you? Yeah, you said you were going to do that. Some yeah. things we got quite right, some things we got right, some things we got wrong. And I'm cursing myself for even mentioning that myth was great. I feel like I should have gone <laughs> stuff my head in a dustbin. But, you know, we, we, did, we, we didn't know what we didn't know, or at least we didn't know what we thought we didn't know. Now we know what we didn't previously know, but we do know now. So make of that what you will. <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It all adds up, but here we are. I can't believe how many, how many games, 1989's Breadbin Awards. Here we are. My gosh, this is crazy. How quick it is. Uh, before we get going, um, do we have our special best lipstick of 1989 award? I think we do. Yeah, as an early little present award, really. Yes, of course. Uh, we rarely give out, um, you know, unusual awards in this category having not really <laughs> worn lipstick ever. But we like to acknowledge lipstick when it's used well. And we like to think, well, I certainly, I, I like to think, I'm sure you agree, that um, there is only one outstanding lipstick-wearing duo 
featured in a game this year. I mean, there is only one. There's, a, there's not any other game that featured it, so we, there is only one winner for that, really, isn't there? there? Is. To start things off. There is. And that game is the Red Heat. It is the Red Heat loading screen. Of course it is. For course it is. wonderful um, <laughs> application of uh, what I would call uh, cherry red, um, <laughs> if, I, if I was to uh, give that a shade, maybe. Yes. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's crop top has never looked so brown on the C64. <laughs> it looks like it looks like it's been um, spray painted with fake tan. <laughs> and he's got the bluest of eyes. The his the eyes of are piercing eyes. blue. Fremen. I've got come to the conclusion they're Fremen from June. <laughs> so, so I mean, him and him and Belushi, they both share the same shade of uh, lipstick and eye, which but, uh, tells you that whether the eye color, but it looks like they might very well have been kissing, which is nice. That's nice. <laughs> which is nice. It would give a yeah. whole new meaning to the words "red heat." <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. And of course, that was Ocean. So, uh, you know, of course they won that. Of course they did. Of course they won that. They got, I think they might, they might be in with a, a lot of awards this <laughs> this year. Yes. Not the ones they want, a chance. No, no. And, that, <laughs> but, and they may have wanted that one. Maybe they did. Maybe they, the, they, maybe they did. Maybe they did. Uh, all right. With that out of the way, best lipstick, let's uh, let's have uh, some stats. We always have some stats to start off this. Should we get into we like some the stats? stats? Yes, we like okay. the stats. Well, okay. So uh, these are the stats for this year. We had 186 games in total. Okay. That's down from last year's 305. The wow, that is quite the down. Yeah. Quite the down. Because it was 320, I think, the year before. 35 last, 305 last year. And now 186. That's the... we've we Clearly, that bell curve is now shooting mm. downwards. Which means that we ha- had an average of 15.5 games per month. Still quite a lot. It's still a lot. It's still a yeah. lot. Still a lot. Uh, the highest score, it was 97%. One game got it. That game was Turbo Outrun. Intriguing. Intriguing. Yeah, right at the end there. The lowest score, and I mean, this. these actually, the highest and lowest score are a tale of two turbos. Because <laughs> um, the highest score was 97% Turbo Outrun. The lowest score was nine, just 9% missing the seven there with Turbo Esprit. Oh, dear. Yeah. That was crap, though. <laughs> it was bloody awful. I mean, I was. That uh, was an affront. <laughs> Two ways of presenting race games to each other. Lots of percentage points apart. Lots of <laughs> lots of reasons why they're at the upper and the lower end of that spectrum. I absolutely. I, I, th- I suppose Ferrari are toasting themselves while Lotus are crying into their uh, whoever who are, uh, firing whoever gave that license out. So, so to they're, derail. they're drinking the gasoline. I think at this point, uh, 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 gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed there were three gold medals this year Ooh. Um, the aforementioned Turbo Outrun with 97% there was Batman the movie right. at 96% yeah. and and the Untouchables also at 96% mm. I think that kind of sums up this year really but we'll get to that in a bit yeah yeah <laughs> that was compared to a seven seven gold medals last year mm. yeah 22 Sizzlers that's quite a lot it is I mean compared to 24 last year if you do that as a percentage that is a higher percentage Mm. 22 of 886 i didn't work this out but he's a, he's a higher percentage of 24 or 305 yeah. yeah which actually ties into the kind of core theme which we'll i'll come back to in a bit but that's the ties into a, the theme of last year actually heavily mm. it does it is uh one silver medal that was zamzara zamzara the silver medal you seek i forgot they even <laughs> issued silver medals they did they seek it in zamzara Two snakes. How many, um, just as an aside, how many um, Zap review teams have we had this year? <laughs> Is it just the uh, one? 17, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, been a few changes at the top. There's probably been more more staff changes than Sizzlers 
There was. I think there was a staff change mid issue at one point. Yeah, it's um, crazy. Who knows? There was plenty going on there in the back rooms. More staff changes than Sizzlers is probably not what they want on their end of year review. <laughs> no, they probably don't. Um, there were 13 games that were under 20%. That's Ouch. compared to 26 last year. I think that is woefully low. <laughs> yeah. That's that's low, but artificially low, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that that should be a higher number because it makes the yep. average review score of sixty percent up one percent on last year. That's just not possible. It, well, it, 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 I mean, I proved it with maths. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mathematically presented, but it's just not an actual reflection of the reality, is it? No, no, it's not. No, it isn't. There were we always do any games that go into the ninety nine club. No. <laughs> <laughs> That surprises me, actually. Not a single game got a, a 99 in any category. I, I scoured through every zap the other day for 1989, wow. just looking at all the reviews and nothing. I think there was one. One of them got 98. Wow, okay. uh, that was for presentation. I can't remember which one that was for. That was closest we got. There was nothing in the 99s. Which is kind of strange when you think that the top three games have all got over 95% and not one of them scored 99% in anything. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. And the first game, these are the games we reviewed. The first game we reviewed was Operation Wolf. And the last game in episode 138 was Myth. Myth. 28 episodes. 28 episodes to get through this year. Yeah, that's not bad. That's all right. No, pretty good. So, should we go on to our thoughts about the year? Yes. And I was going to offer the, uh, pass that over to you, Graham. What are your thoughts on 1989? 1989. Well, we went in with we went in with a bit of a fresh mind because when I listened back to our outro, such as it was on the Breadbin Awards for 1988, there was a little bit of hope. We weren't. We, neither of us were 100 percent sure about what we were going into because we were reaching the zone, especially for you, where the C64 was being phased out of your kind of teenage life in favour of girls <laughs> and booze and good times um, and things like that. Absolutely. Um, and so, so, and, and at this point as well, I was less about the games, more about the demos, and r- gradually sort of turning my attention towards the Amiga uh, towards the end of certainly towards the end of '89, and tr- starting to, as we go through '90. So we were both acknowledging that we weren't. W- there was a few names that we knew of, a few games that were you know on our radars just because of reputation, but we figured there'd be quite a lot that we were, weren't really you know aware of or hadn't played and. That's actually what happened. That was the truth. What we didn't expect was the weird curve, the weird bell curve of 1989, where there are very few games that are very good, but when they are good, they're good. But there's a whole lot of average to crap with a kind of a, when they're really crap, they're really crap. And it's a really strange sort of sort of chart if you think about it. But it sort of sums up in those averages. I mean, like you said, the numbers don't lie. We've got more or less half, you know, just under half the amount of the games that we had in the previous year. And so... We've got, you know, a comparatively lower number of uh, gold medals and sizzlers and things like that. But the strangeness of the scoring is what's thrown me last year. I know, yes, we joke about it, but we know that there's been some changes over at Zap. And we don't base our reviews on what they score things. We, I think, famously tell it how it is <laughs> for most games and give them what for. So I think Zap has obviously been in turmoil throughout this year in terms of the Amiga stuff that's in there, the C64 stuff that's in there not quite having the right team in place, not quite understanding and how to review those things. And first off, it was comparing them and then it was sort of side by side and then it became so. 
whole bunch of crazy going on. And this was because 1989 is that pivotal year of change, isn't it? It's the big change mm-hmm. year. We knew it was going to be that because you'd identified the downturn in the number of software releases. 305 down to 186 new releases, but there's still probably about 500 releases because they just re-released all the games from 1986 and 1985 again. Yeah, yeah. So there's some tons and tons of budget release re-releases, loads of compilation releases, tons of them. So my my to make sense of all of that is a little bit crazy. I have to say 1989 has been a, a year where there's been very few highs, but when they are high, they're good. But there's been a lot of lows, some really terrible practice from some of the publishing companies in terms of just out and out license ripping off and stuff like that. We've kind of seen that play out for what it is. Um, and as the year's gone on, it's got worse and worse and worse to the point where I've become quite disparaged by the sheer volume of bad arcade conversions and bad licensed games and that's totally set to continue so Mm. what do i take from all of that well it's starting to lay bare a little bit of the practices of some of those games publishers i think a lot of them had already jumped now to the amiga so the c64 certainly from june onwards had become the also ran it become the you know it become the b list so Mm -hmm. and even though there's still a lot of money to be made out of c64 games they're still charging a tenner a tenner is a lot of money for anybody back then um Mm -hmm. They weren't making the volume sales. You know, the, the Amiga was starting to really step in. 16-bit was starting to step in. The Atari ST was having its own little impact in its own way. And so it wasn't going the C64's way. And so the focus was not really on the doing a necessary justice to them, just get them out the door. But my chief concern about all of that was not so much that that was the practice, because obviously I get it, but business is business. New technology comes out and you're going to do that. We've seen that time and time again. The Xbox got superseded. The PlayStation got superseded. The Wii... And it happens. That's the model. Fine with that. But what it made me think of was how many of these bad practices of business, how many of these publishers were always doing crappy things. And this has just left them a little bit more exposed. And towards the end of the year, it became very apparent to the point when Mm -hmm. there was a game that was re-released at budget in the shape of Top Gun that was clearly just a a, a release because it was crap anyway. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of sort of sealed the deal for me. So my view of of 1989... There's been some good things in there, there has. And there's been some real jumps in code base, some crazy clever coding going on on the C64. I mean, that's something that goes on to this day. But in 1989, there were some real boundaries being pushed about what you could cram into 64K. It really was crazy what's going on. But at the same time, some of the games were just utterly rubbish. And when they were rubbish, and there's a lot a lot more of them than I thought there would be, which is kind of, a, I, I imagine 1989 to be quite a bounty year. I know that 1987 was the big year for releases and perhaps more your year in terms of when you were playing more games in 1987, maybe mm-hmm. 87, 6, 87. But I remember 1989 being quite a good year for games. I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you couldn't. It's just, it's just, it's been some utter, utter rubbish. And that's, that's the real, so that's my, it's, it's, not, it's like 50-50, it's like roulette. 1989 has been the roulette year of, of games published on the C64. It really has. You might get a good one, chances are you won't. Um, and even the, roulette game was rubbish wasn't it the game with roulette in was actually rubbish <laughs> the irony <Yeah. laughs> anyway was so that, that was one? my take yeah. on it <laughs> it was vegas was it vegas casino it was it's just yeah that's that my take on this year on that, but yeah they did a terrible game so that's my take on it aid it was uh i'm hope i've got i'm hopeful for 1990 we'll after we go through the awards but these rewards uh, these awards coming up are a real reflection of the year it's been and i think your stats really do show that for what it is an average review score of 60 percent. come on i mean that might be just the fact that there's less games that have been reviewed so the average score would go up which is something we were joking about early on Mm. because we were saying in those early episodes you know there's less games so the chance of being a good one much higher 
yeah, we were kind of proved mathematically wrong there. The chance of there being more crap is actually higher. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, we, we, we thought it was going to be one out of seven dwarfs is happy. It turns out that six out of seven dwarfs are not happy. That's how we thought it was going to be. So we just, the stats went against us, didn't they? What about you? What was they your did. take? Well, I can, I can sum it up in a statement. Um, I was trying to sort of think I was going to word this, and I think I've come up with it, but and see if you can get the... Uh, the subtle subtext of this. I think 1989 was an ocean of shite with a few islands <laughs> of quality floating around. Yeah, very subtle. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I hid the meaning there quite well. I thought, you know, no one's going to understand that. That's, that's, that's what's up. Just say, Ocean made some crap games and we didn't like them. <laughs> no, no, no. We had an ocean of shite because it's all the games. There's so much. Because yeah, I've been looking yeah. through the list of the games and, you know, you've got stuff like bloody... Um, don't, when we talk about those um, that review scores being so high, you've got Renegade 3 at 90%. I'm sorry, just just no, <laughs> just no. I about that, you've, no. Which you know, you've got Top Gun as you mentioned at 61 or 60, yeah. whatever it was. That's just like what? Yeah. And it, it, it's it's all over the place. The scoring at this point was, I don't know. I mean, there used to be some consistency with the the original Zap reviewers, and I think even mm. the previous reviewers. I think it's in the back half of this year. Now I don't want to admit, I don't know. I don't know what's gone on, but I think there's been some. We've seen the game, and we'll see this sort of thing because we've got Thingy coming next year. One of the one games we've got to actually look forward to next year is the Operation Thunderbolt. I've been linked to the making of that. Now we'll discuss that. We'll discuss that obviously when we get to it. Mm. But the but the guy who made it says the Zap Crew came along and they were show, they they were shown a preview. They weren't allowed to play it, and as far as he was aware, they never got a copy to play, and they got Sizzler. I like mm. what. What practices are these? And I yeah. think that I was right when I said Batman Untouchables. They went along, they saw some stuff, they went off, and they. Mm. And I think there's a there's been a. I don't I don't believe for an instant these games have been played. Some of them because they can't have been because they're rubbish. And I think that's the problem. Been the problem with this year. There's there's just been a slew of crap. Now is that because? And now there's a pro- the, probably the reason for that. I'm thinking is because we've seen like a, a drop off of what 120 games reviewed, difference in reviewed, around about 120 different, you know, lower, so fewer. So the machine, it, it becomes that point where you have to sort of big up what's there. You have to sort of embellish the quality of the stuff that is actually being produced for it and say, no, it's still really good. Don't go to the Amiga. You know, don't go to the ST. It's, it's Commodore 64 stuff, still excellent. It's getting gold medals. And stuff mm. and the high quality of all these sizzlers and all these games are great. You know, the look look at all these high res overlay sprites and stuff. It's all pretty cool. And I think that's what's happened. I think this is the start of that. I think we saw it maybe a little bit in eighty eight, but this that's been the real story for me in eighty nine, where it's been a case of you know, you've given it maybe sixty, but couldn't it be a ninety? Oh, okay. And you know, when we come back to look at it, it's like no, it, they shouldn't have been. And I also think this year has been a as we will see. When we, I think, when we get to our best games, this is a this is a year of they clearly didn't know what was in front of them um, for the best yeah, I games. Agree. So I, I think there's going to be the games that we're going to sort of nominate, and I think we were kind of, we were kind of in lockstep. I think are going to be the ones that you go, you know, those are the ones, the games that should have been up there, and the the, the games that were up there should not have been. For me, this has been a year of. Uh, you know, dubious business practices. And I, th- I can only, I'm not going to, you know, accuse people of anything or whatever, but I think there's been review scores that are not deserved. And it's been a real bit of a shame, really. It's been a bit of an eye-opener sort of thing, because this is also the point in Zap when I tuned out of Zap as well, 1989. I think I went up to issue 54 back in the day. So I was still getting the magazine just out of stingy. I think it was 54. It was, it was 50-something. 
So by this, so you know, and I was probably not playing as many games, but the reviews were still, I was still taking them as a bit like, oh, it must be really good, that game, because it's got a really good score. And it's been a bit of a, like a, you know, uh, sort of the wool has been taken from my eyes, whatever the saying is, because it's just, uh, it's not been the case. And it's been a bit weird. So I think this year has been, there are some good highs, you're right. But I think on the whole, the quality is vastly down on what we've seen over the last three years. Mm. And that's, uh, I was expecting more. I was expecting better. And so now I am, you know, my hopes for 1990, we'll get to them later, but maybe not as high. But that's my view on 1989. It's not been a good year, is what I think. <laughs> what I think of this. That's what I think of you, Harvey. There we go. Uh, right. <laughs> With that out of the way, stats and intro. Should we get in some awards? I think it's time. I think it's time to begin. I think it is. So let's get to our first award. that graham well it's a good looker it's the best visuals so best graphics best Ooh. visuals whatever you want to say it's the best graphics award and as ever we've done it our normal way graham and i just to sort of outline our voting process individually graham and i went away and we made our own lists of what we thought were the best games and what we came back with um you know we then combined those get lists and what we what we what overlapped so what we both thought made the final cut we might have mm-hmm. nominated other games but they've not made it so the games that didn't make it i'm just going to go through those first that you thought or i thought were should have been in there the stunt car racer mm-hmm. uh, it was john cumming eliminator mm-hmm. uh darren stummington and hugh bins rick dangerous simon phipps and terry lloyd and buffalo bills mm-hmm. wild west rodeo show michael owens plaudits to them good graphics but not yeah. up there that we both agreed on them the ones that we did agree on though are rocket ranger that's Kurt Tumanian and Steve Quinn. Myth, mm-hmm. Bob Stevenson. Stormlord by Huge Bins. And Grand Prix <laughs> Circuit by John Bockler. Those are our four. So let's okay. have at it. What's the best? What's the worst? Or what's, so, the, what's, what's not going to make the top three out of them four? Well, so like I say, our normal process is then to whittle it down to three, isn't it? And then we've got the three, and then we can like jostle them for order. So one of those has got to go, right? It has. So now... What I'm thinking of, and I, I sort of, because I, I, I try and rationalise what constitutes the best visuals, because you know, there's this, there's different representations. You know, stunt car racers visuals, they're not in the best visuals category in terms of the final four. But you know, there was some 3D stuff going on in there. Is that does that constitute three? You know, 3D I complexity. Stunt car racer was amazing, but for the time. But at the same time, was it better than Grand Prix Circuit's representation of racing in terms of its context? Because of course, that's you know Formula One, and there's some fancy stuff going on there. Then you've got pixel painting, and the pixel painters have got a strong innings here um, with both Stormlord Myth well, and Rocket Ranger to an extent, yeah. um, having sort of, you know, different things. Now, for my money, and I'm just going to lay this, you know, I'm, play, I'm just putting this out there for you to consider. <laughs> I think that out of those four, the weakest of the graphics in terms of the way they're done is probably Rocket Ranger out of those four. But what do you think to that? Why, why do you think that? Because I would, because the thing with me is that I would, the, the pro- I think Rocket Range is doing something a bit different on a bit of a bigger scale and also emulating the Amiga. For me, I would lose either Myth or Stormlord because I think they're very similar. They are. They are. They're both excellent pixel painters and they're both excellent in their own way. Um, and I'm trying to think whether you whether you reward proper pixel painting in terms of animation and all of those things because they 
characters, the animations, and the style of those things for both Myth and Stormlord are very good in terms of all the backgrounds, characters, associated stuff. Mm-hmm. For Grand Prix Circuit, very different ball game, isn't it? So I'll just put that one to one side for a minute. Rocket Ranger, yes, you've got some good pixel painting in there, but it's not so good in some levels. So the moon-based levels and things like that, when they're, for want of a better description, scantily clad Nazi soldier women are flying down on ropes. <laughs> And that bizarreness. So there's some parts there that are not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's Rocket Ranger isn't as consistent as, say, Defender of the Crown would have been in this category. Um, mm-hmm. So it's so it's not as consistently well painted as that. There's not as much of that either. There's not set, not as much scene setting graphics. There's a few stills and some animations, but it didn't feel the, the theme. If there was an award for the best thematic, Rocket Ranger might very well stand a chance in terms of capturing that kind of daring do you know movie Rocket Man type idea. But, but that isn't what this is. So if it's coming down to somebody who could paint pixels on a screen and make them look really nice, um, and I, I have to say, and I'm a little bit biased because I much prefer pixel painters to the kind of Rocket Ranger styling. That's just a personal preference. So I am quite mm-hmm. like the pixel painters. So for me, I would lean more Myth, Stormlord. But then Grand Prix Circuit sort of sticks in there and you think, well, from a visual perspective and graphic perspective, it, it, is that in the same league as the other the other three? I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think it is. I think if it, I think for me, from a, I think the C64 is, there are some very good pixel painters. And, and that's, I think, one of the C64 strengths when you get good pixel painters. We've seen it in lots of games. I mean, going back to things like Delta um, and things like that. So we can see good pixel painting when people do it. And it's, you know, it's been done for a while. So I think Grand Prix Circuit, and, I, and that's why I put Stunt Car Racer in. And I think maybe Eliminator in there as well. They're doing some really clever faux 3D effects that, that fool you into thinking that there's some decent 3D going on there, which is a clever thing to pull off. We've seen lots of crap 3D um, where it doesn't work or it's wireframe or it's it's just green and blue or whatever. Both I know Stunt Car Race is not in there, and that we talked about that, and the cleverness of that was just that, you know, tr- tricking it into being a bitmap and tricking it into being track or sky. Blew my bloody brain. But Grand Prix Circuit has a, you know, roster of cars on the track. It's, it's got, it looks like a, it feels like a road. It feels like you're on a road. They managed to pull off what we've moaned about. You're not going down that Rastabar Highway. Um, and so I think Grand Prix Circuit definitely deserves to be in there because I think it's pushing something different and, rep- and doing a very good representation of something that an 8-bit, 1 megahertz machine probably shouldn't really be doing. Yeah, my concern there only is that that's a good argument for a best technical coding demo presentation, but does that that give it the best visuals? Um, I don't know. it 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 gives it technically proficient method of demonstrating how to do a 3D modeling and 3D rendering on a C64, but it isn't very good 3D rendering. It's not the great, it doesn't, it's not amazing. It's amazing technique. Got no problem with that. And to be fair to... Grand Prix Circuit, some of the extraneous graphics around the reverse view and the wing mirrors and things like that. Exactly, that is, yeah. That it's that it's nice stuff, and it is. And all the intro bits, the the pixel, the pixel painted cars and stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, all, intro, all those all those bits around the around the edges. But I think if you're going to go for a game that has pretty visuals and very pretty graphics consistently all the way through, you've got to you've got to be leaning more towards the the pixel painting of Bob Stevenson, I think, or Hugh Bins, because they're, they've always been very good pixel painters in terms of the kind of games that need that kind of pixel painting. So, you know, the, the side-scrolling, characters in there, backgrounds with lots of colour and detail, pretty worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, actually, I suppose out the two, um, if I had to, if you put a gun on my head, I suppose, and said, oh, you've got to choose Myth or Storm Lord, that's a very difficult decision, actually, because there's parts of Myth, I mean, stupidness aside of Myth, 
but there's parts of Myth that I really like in terms of its graphics. But then again, Stormlord has some really, really colourful visuals. And Hubins has a knack for that. Yeah. Um, and Bob, St- Bob Stevenson's graphics have a really nice pixel shading quality to them. He does, he does really good blended shading for considering the machine so limited in its color palette. Stormlord probably has the edge on that because I think it's just prettier to look at, even though it's... A, I mean, remember, take the games aside. They are vacuous stupidity of games, both of them, really, and stupidly difficult in the sense of Stormlord. But in terms of a pretty pretty pound-for-pound pound graphics, I think you've, you've got to have... They're very hotly contested to both of them. They certainly both have gone Rocket Ranger in terms of the quality of the graphics that have been put in there. Um, because I don't think there's enough consistent graphics in Rocket Ranger to keep it in that group. Um, so, mm-hmm. and and that's the problem I had with Eliminator. Actually, the reason why Eliminator's not made it to the top, I think I like Eliminator, but some of its sprite work wasn't very good. The track was amazing, but the sprites on it not so good in some instances. And Rick Dangerous has got some really nice, some really nice sprites on it, and then some not so nice. Some of the levels were a bit rubbish. But the, and then Buffalo Bill the same. Lots of really well shaded brown in that for certain. Hey, it had the uh, blood curtain. And the blood curtain was that the first blood curtain? It might have been, but yeah. So, but at, so, but out of all of those, I'm so I'm going to st- I'd stick to my guns. I think definitely I agree with you for Grand Prix Circuit's technical presence needs to be in that visual list because it's visual, it's visual storytelling of what it's doing is amazing, and it mm-hmm. is feel pretty fast as I remember it as well. But mm-hmm. I think if you're going to have pix- a pixel painting game in the top three, you've got to have the two top pixel painted games in there, and that is Myth and Stormlord. Now, what order they're in is either here or there at the moment. But if you're going to go for one of those, then I would put Myth. And the reason I would put Myth is because I think Myth has more variety. Yeah, you could be right about that. There is at least Vikings and and, there's, and there's other a things. Consistency. I mean, maybe the Egyptian level is not as good, but there's still some really nice stuff in there. But you've got the no, variety across the you've got the variety across the different levels. Um, so you've got a lot of different stuff going on. So you've got the mm. you know the, the Greek the, the the Norse stuff, and you've got the Ace level on the boat. Um, yes, which is you do have very that. clever. And then at the end, yeah. you've got the weird sort of sci-fi shoot 'em up Stormlord. Very pretty, but very one note, as far as I can make out. Doesn't um, really change yeah. much, does it, through the game? Um, um, not really, I suppose. I mean, the, the, the consistent quality of graphics is what we're looking for, though. So, and that is consistent. But like you say, does that mean there's a large variety? There isn't a great deal of variety in there. Myth has a high high consistency and variety. Stormlord has well, high quantity. consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has it has more quantity. I think I wouldn't necessarily say it was cons- as it's not. They're as consistent as each other, but myth does have the edge because they're just set over more areas, more eras. Yeah. So there's so there's different elements to sort of take yeah. on board. And so if we're taking best graphics, then maybe it's a case of saying myth probably pips Stormlord if that if we're giving it that to that yeah. way because yeah. of that wider breadth of styles. There's that nice presentation at the start. They've both got that kind of. Nice filmy style presentation in terms of Myth and Stormlord as well. But if you were going to go that way, Rocket Ranger probably outpips both of them in terms of its ability <laughs> yeah. to represent those serials. So that's why I think, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm loath to just make it about just in this particular instance, Grand Prix Circuit does represent Grand Prix really, really well. Mm. Um, in totality, the pictures of the cars, the construction of everything else, even the box art was pretty cool as I remember it. Um, so... The loading screen is good, sub- yeah. like you said. But I'm still edging towards. I, I like Rocket Ranger a lot, but its consistency of its graphics starts to on the C64 particularly starts to fade towards the end of that game. And you are seeing a lot of a map screen with a little icon of a Rocket Man on it, quite a lot in that game with little clouds yeah. and stuff. And it is nice that, but it's, but it's the same thing. There's not a lot of variety. If we're looking at variety, Rocket Ranger has the least variety out of all three. So, so I would still think it would be. A Myth Stormlord Grand Prix Circuit triple. As for the top spot, I don't know. I don't well, know. I, could, I could get behind those three. 
I could go. I could go with those three. Well, um, if we got down to those three, then you've just got to you know, juggle the order and something. And I agree with you. I think Stormlord is not, perhaps not the top spot for that. I think Stormlord is beautiful to look at, but there are only so many fairies with big boobies that you can look at. <laughs> exactly. That. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You they're know, very, if that's they're what very you well. Draw. They're very well painted fairies with big boobs. Don't get no. me wrong. And the and the the, char- the main characters okay as well. I mean, they're yeah. good. It's good graphics. Work, nice animation. I think Myth just has again. I think it's got. Is it got maybe more variety and consistency in its enemies and stuff as well? Yeah, I mean, those little Greek soldiers that you fight are amazing. They look really cool, and the Norse ones as well. Yeah. So, so you know, that's why you know one of the things we wanted was more of those things and less of the stupid sh- shit that's in it. But <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I agree. I think Myth's definitely definitely a contender for the top. And Stormlord definitely is not a contender for the top. So I think that's the easiest, to, the easiest way to sort of circulate that. Yeah. So I would, it's an argument then between the sort of fantasy pixel painting of Myth, which is the C64 strength, and Bob Stevenson has done it really well and has proven he's done it really well over time and time, or the technical excellence of Grand Prix Circuit in representing yeah. a real world sport fairly accurately yeah. and decently at a pace. And and yeah. drawing the things well all throughout, you know, from the loading screen to the like I said to the cars on the when you choose your different cars to the cars on the grid to the backgrounds that you drive around to the back visual on Grand Prix Circuit. You know, I'm looking at it. Yeah. A minute and I- well, do you know what? I'm I'm edging towards. Um, I'm edging towards. I think for the reasons you've specified, for the variety that's in there, for the complexity of having to create all of those different things for all of those different areas. I think Myth is probably out of the out of the top ones. Grand Prix Circuit is an amazing game, but it is based on one thing. You know, there's a lot of a lot of mythological stuff going on in myth, in myth. obviously. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm take the last stupid and last stupid level aside, although it does have an amazing final en- I mean, enemy st- in Dameron. If you take it, you can take it aside, but it's still, the visuals are still good. You can't knock the visuals in the end level. No, 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 no I'm going to say the, well, there's not many of them, but the visuals are in terms of the final enemy, but you don't, you know, like you said, just because it, it, it's taken the lunacy of a mad person's game idea and const- and at least constructed that into something that visually is how you would imagine it to look. And that takes some doing. Yeah. yeah. You know, to say to someone, right, we're going to create a level in ancient Greece. We need a Medusa, a, a three-headed dragon. To someone like Bob Stevenson who just goes, yeah, okay, I, I can paint, pixel paint that on a C64 with eight colors or whatever. And, and you know, and what he turned out is nothing short of a staggering, really, in terms of what's in there. Yeah. Um, so I think I would, I would give the, I would give it, Top spot to myth. And then I would give Grand Prix Circuit the second one because I think it's deserving of an, at least an accolade for being what it is. And then Grand Prix, and then, sorry, Storm uh, Stormlord, I would give a, you know, a, a, the bronze award, if you like, the third prize. That's me. So for me, it would be, be a myth Grand Prix Circuit Stormlord triple. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. I think, I, I'm no, I'm no problem. I've no problem with myth or Grand Prix Circuit getting it. I think myth is, you know, that was the thing that it got praised for. And I think, and rightly so, I think you, if you pull one thing out of myth, well, it's probably two things. It's what we said at the time, wasn't it? It's amazing presentationally. It's amazing yes. to sort of, you know, everything else aside, that game yeah. l- looks incredible. And so, yeah. so yeah, myth came along as the last game of the year and stamps its authority on the visuals. <laughs> it happens every year. <laughs> it does. So, uh, cool, there we go. So, Graham, would you like to announce the winner of the Best Visuals? The winner of the Best Visuals Award for 1989 goes to Myth with the master pixel painter, Bob Stevenson at the helm. Well done, Myth. Well done, System 3. Yeah, well done. That's good. No disrespect to those others. They're in... No, out of, no. Out of 186 games... You know, yeah. they're the top. You can't, we're not knocking any of them. They're all brilliant. They all look great. And just because it was the 186th that we played, 
Don't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, there you go. It best is very vis- pretty, though. So best yeah, visuals well to myth. You have noted here, though, it's something we don't actually do, is it? What would be contenders for worst visuals? Well, I just wondered, I thought, because, you know, with the best, with every yin, there is a yang. We've said this before. <laughs> and um, so I threw a few names in there. You know, dynamic duo. We'll come across some of these later in other categories, I'm sure. <laughs> Gorilla War, Journey Ooh. to the Center of the Earth. Do you remember that? That crusty I, brown that- nonsense. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Oh my lord. Um Ve- I put Veclamans in there. Veclamans, yeah, Artura. Artura. Z- uh, Zybots. Zybots. <laughs> yeah. Arg. Oh, um, there's a few. I think Arg would win it for me. <laughs> they had people made of eyes. <laughs> they did. People made of eyes. Battle of the barbecues, wasn't it? Yeah, battle of barbecues while eyes dotted about the place. <laughs> Stupid game. Don't get me started. Lowercase eyes. Yeah, it was <laughs> Don't the get me started. Lowercase eye people. We must save the poor folk of lowercase eyesville. <laughs> Don't get me started. We'll come to that in a bit, I think. We will. Oh, there we, we go. definitely so, yeah, will. I th- yeah, for me it was arg. There we go. That's best visuals. Woo! Well done, Myth. Woo! Well done. Well done, Myth. Well done. And this time you were more hit than myth. Yes, yes, you didn't myth this time. No, you didn't. Hey! Hey! (laughs) See what we did there. Uh, Let's move along to our next award. And that award is uh, the Crapcade Conversion. (laughs) I've been dreading this one. Dreading it. There, dreading was, there, it. there was stuff in here. We, I think the one we booted one out to go into worst game, and I do believe that some of these could have gone that way as well. But we'll yeah. maybe we, we know. So if you're thinking, where's that? It's probably because it's coming later. So anyway, we went through our usual process. The three that we didn't agree on, um, but we either one of us voted for. There was vigilante, um, <laughs> which uh, you know. I didn't remember these are these are the ones we didn't both vote on. So this is this afterbur- <laughs> afterburner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't vote for Afterburner because I just thought it was a, a you know it it wasn't. I don't think it's as bad as some of those others. But um, and then Continental Circus, which yeah, was yeah. pretty crap. Uh, it's, but it's, you know. that's pretty crap. But they're not the worst crap. <laughs> no, but these are the six that we. Six. Uh, yeah, these are the six that we uh, we uh, agreed on, and those six were Dragon Ninja oh, from Imagine, gosh. Tiger Road. From Go, <laughs> Veclamans, uh, Imagine, Zybots, <laughs> from Domark, Arg, or Ah from Melbourne House, and Double Dragon from Melbourne House. So that's two Imagines and two in Melbourne House. <laughs> Melbourne House and a Go and a Domark. Right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? It's always nice to see Melbourne House represented in this category. It is, because, you know, yeah. yeah. They've been on a We thought they were losing their way, didn't we? We thought they were, <laughs> we someone did. was coming in to dominate them. We thought that, um, who was it we thought was going to come and was, was taking over from their crown? It was that other bunch. Oh, CRL, wasn't it? It was CRL, yeah. yeah. They've gone Crappy the way the released licenses. Yeah, they've gone the way of the donkey now, haven't they? They really have, yeah. So Melbourne House thought, hang on a minute. No one's stealing that crown from us. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but they have been on a steady incline, haven't they, since Exploding Fist Melbourne House, constantly going up. <laughs> and now they've reached the peak of that with Arg yeah, and Double Dragon. area quality, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, right. I mean, for me, <laughs> I, I, I'll just put these out there for me. If I have to pick the three worst of that six, it's those bottom three. Zybots, Arg and Double Dragon, yeah? Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Do you think any of those? Do you think Dragon Ninja Tiger Road of Eclamans is worse than any of those three? Well, the issue here is that I've actually mentally erased these pieces of shit from my mind <laughs> for a reason. So having to, having to revisit these is like a properly traumatic experience at best, isn't it? It's not um, great. So, because so, I, you know, I thought, well, Tiger Road, no, no. Now, and I actually, you know, so, dra- I'm, so Dragon Ninja, okay, Dragon Ninja wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as Zybot's arc and Double Dragon, I'd give you I think, that. No I doubt think our um, ire at Dragon Ninja was the score it got. Yeah, actually, yeah, it, like, it, was in, it, it was in the 80s, 90s, wasn't it? High 80s. Yeah, 80s, 90s, yeah. So, but at the same time, there were things that were okay about it as well. I mean, was, yeah, it had the usual overlay, high-res overlay sprites. It ran. Yeah, yeah it did. <laughs> it ran. Yeah, Tiger Road. But the Tiger Road was crap to begin with. Tiger Road was a crap game anyway, wasn't it? And in fact, some of these probably have that, you know, arg. I think I have to swing to my <laughs> Yeah. And, and Weckleman's, okay. They, they, what they tried to do was try to make a, a an impossibly difficult arcade game into a, and tried to fit it into the C64 game format, which mm-hmm. is when they do a driving game, they all turn out like pole position. Unless, and when you, in the end of the day, you're always competing with, with Pit Stop 2, always on the C64. Yeah, exactly. So, so, and the, but they are all crap conversions. Are they as bad as Zybots? No. No. <laughs> no, they're not. No. And Arg deserves a special place in hell. Because <laughs> wasn't Arg the one that was, wasn't Arg the one that was made on the weird Amiga based hardware, as I recall, for the arcade? Yes. So it was yeah, like it was, a, yeah, yeah, it was, because it was thingy, wasn't it? It was uh, Master, Mastertronic, and they were like, yeah. and the, the, the people made it, and the, the guys behind it who did game time looked at it and went, What you done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, essentially. So, so not only is, not only was it, was it a crap arcade? It was a crap Amiga game. Now, what a double whammy to do. I mean, if you're <laughs> going to do it bad, do it double hitter. Yeah. And Double Dragon was utterly shit, wasn't it? <laughs> and the, and had an apology at the back of the manual. It did, yeah. It For had the a, split in half people. Yeah, we're like, we're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. In order to make optimise the experience that you're going to play, we need to make it really stupidly. Yeah. Um, it's just crap. So by, us- by using techniques that render the bottom half of the person s- slightly separated from the top half. Absolutely. Like the every man- other game doesn't. Yeah, the impossible <laughs> mission man just looked over his shoulder and went, huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. split enough and I'm 1984. Yeah, oh, so Wetterman's was a crap, crap cave convert-, convert. It was a crap arcade conversion. But it wasn't a go, ever going to be a very good one, and it's imagined they're not doing well here. Either. Tiger Road was just a crap game anyway, wasn't it? Really stupid, yeah. and really bad, uh, and missing key components. But the same problem as Dragon Ninja, really, just not very well implemented. But Zybots and Arg, if I agree with you, let's just say I agree with you. Those three for definite, actually, out of that list, because Zybots is a special kind of awful, <laughs> isn't it? It's just it's so bad. I mean, Zybots has the double whammy of, of, of earlier preview screenshots, which were just hand-drawn <laughs> by the looks so of them. So bad. And in colour. And then when the game turned up, it was like, you know, Zybots Noir. Yeah, it was monochromatic, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It's like, you know, they'd gone heavy on the Kira Scoro. Gone mental. Yeah. What was, you know, so, though, it was just... And then when you played it, so they had that stupid control system where pressing fire and moving left to right flipped your view, but you were <laughs> you had to strafe left and right and tap fire, so you were constantly turning, spinning, spinning, always spinning. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, when you played it in two-player, the frame rate collapsed. Yeah. <laughs> Just utterly <laughs> collapsed. Thing. The key thing for that was its two-player in us, wasn't it? And also, um, am I right in thinking that um, the arcade was quite, even though it was an obscure arcade, it was quite well-received obscure arcade. It was quite well-received and quite... Um, 
Because it's essentially, Unusual. I mean, yeah, and, and essentially, Zybots is like one of the earliest examples of an over-the-shoulder shooter. Yeah, you know, it's it's quite influential when you sort of trace back sort of um, sort of shooters from like behind the character, third-person shooters. Zybots is one of the earliest examples. So for me, then it's out of those three because Double Dragon was truly awful, wasn't it? It was truly um, dreadful. Yeah, truly yeah. dreadful. And it was a really bad conversion of a good arcade as well. And that's that's just what I'm trying to lean, lean into is what were the worst conversions of good arcades? And Double well, Dragon is Double a good Dragon arcade. Is what, Double Dragon, again, is another, you know, seminal arcade game. It's one yeah, of those games super that... super influential. It's one of those games that cemented the belt scroller, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. Um, it's yeah. A, yeah that, Not this version, know. though. <laughs> no. <laughs> this smelted a belt around the ear hole. <laughs> yeah, this belt had too many holes and fell off. It's it did. Dreadful. So, so if we're going for crap K conversion, Ark deserves a place in hell, but it's of an arcade that nobody would have ever even heard of anyway, particularly. I certainly had never, I didn't even know it was an arcade until we read about it. Yeah, um, and true. So, so I think it doesn't deserve to be at the top. Double Dragon, I would argue, was a really, I mean, and the same applies to Zybots to some extent, but Double Dragon, if you're basing it on sheer arcade influence of a belt-scrolling, side-scrolling beat-em-up, done badly. On a machine that's already done them well. <laughs> this is the real killer. <laughs> We've already had Renegade, which was fine, bit chunky, but fine, had the way control system target Renegade, really good. And then this came along with an apology. <laughs> yeah, but even then, even if you take it back to the... So I know Fist 2 isn't a good example in sense, but for this, or, or Yusaki Yajimbo, just side-scrolling games on the C64 where you're beating things up don't have to be done in this way. They, you know, you can lean into a different mindset and creation set for that and think about that. And the fact that they didn't and turned out this rubbish makes me feel like it isn't just a bad, it isn't, wasn't just, it was a, it was a good game in the arcades and playable game and loved, well-loved and well-respected. This version is so far away from that. It's utterly, utterly tragic. Ark is a terrible game and a bad arcade conversion in that the arcade was crap, but nobody had ever heard of it. Zybots, I think, Zybots is, again, not an arcade game I'd ever really come across up until when I'd seen it at one of the arcade clubs, I, I, I think. I played it quite a lot back in the day, Zybots. I used to like it. But I think out of the three, and that's because I have, and that's only because I have an affinity for belt scrolling, side scrolling, beat up type games. Double Dragon, for me, is the worst arcade conversion out of those three. Closely followed, if not nipping the heels with Zybots, and there may even be a, a double number one, really, and ARG. <laughs> Arg is just, I don't even know what to say about Arg. It's in there because it's an arcade conversion, but it's just a, it's a, a barbecue battling rescue the letter eyes game. What, what even is that? What does it mean? <laughs> Where you have to go to the cave of treasure and have a battle. <laughs> stupid. It's just ridiculous. At every level, yes. it's st- stupid. Double Dragon as well. I mean, just thinking, if you think about Double Dragon, and essentially, you know, this is a sort of faux 3D move up and down, go to the left fighter. We've seen this before. It, it, we, you had games like, you know, um, Staff of Karnath, Entombed, Black Witch. Yeah. They're essentially, you know, faux 3D yeah. side-scrolling fight-em-ups, but you, yeah. similar sort of thing. So the C64 is more than capable of doing this. Yeah. Double Dragon is an affront. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's, it's a horror. <laughs> Do you remember the background details when it started the game with that giant car in the garage and and, and all the awfulness? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's... Looking at the looking, just thinking of the way it's take, even taken the arcade game, not even just the game, but the, the visual representation. You could do better on C sixty four than that. And they it just did. takes a little well, bit they of effort. In ninety one, they do another version. It's it's not good, but it's better. It's better than that. Yeah, exactly. So now, if if it's down, you know, my my choices are, you know, unless there's a rationale, 
I'd be almost tempted to put Double Dragon and Zybots as a dual, as an equal number one slot at the top of that. But I think if we've got to pick a top one, we've got to pick a top top one. And I think so Double, Double Dragon, Dragon then and Zybots. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The thing you could say about Zybots, if you were okay, uh, if you, it, it, it is a black and white version of the arcade. It does yeah. look. If you looked at it, you went, "That's a Zybots conversion." Yeah. If you looked at the Double Dragon game, you'd go, "What is that?" Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't know. True. And if you looked yeah, at Ark, you'd you'd you know you you do a you know you'd crucify yourself and do the cross and walk away and <laughs> seek redemption. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think Double Dragon wins. Zybot's a close second, and then Arg. Arg is a clumsy third at best. But that isn't saying a lot. This is a list of the shite, so it's just the third worst shit. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, this has been a year of some terrible, terrible arcade conversions. It really, it really has. It really has. I mean, that you know, there's a lot of also rounds that could have made it into that list, but out of all the ones we've played, that is the that is a horror show. That game. Yeah, and there's one that we've saved for another category. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is. It, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes, <laughs> which is dreadful too. Uh, there we go. Then okay. So Graham, um, would you like to announce? The winner for the Crap K conversion for 1989. The winner for the Crap K conversion for 1989 is Double Dragon, Melbourne House. Boo, boo, boo. You stink. Boo, get off, get off. <laughs> get you off. stink. You stink with your split sprite and your apology. Your split sprites and your stupid apology. Boo, we don't accept your apology. Take it away. Take it away. <laughs> Go away from us, Jesus Christ. What a load of crap that was. Yeah. Uh, here we go. <laughs> right, let's move on to some more quality. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's just like getting the shit out of the way, isn't it? Uh, let's move in then to our next one. And that one. Well, it's the worst game. It was the it used to be Sunday best. It's now the worst game. This is it. This is mm. the Nadia. This is the utter pit <laughs> of everything. Um, and again, this was an overflowing category, like a, a bog blocked <laughs> with this lot. Um, so the worst game. We did our usual stuff. We went away. We made our list. The there were five games that we didn't agree on. Although I think looking at them, they, we could have. But you know, we've got. A, yeah. We'd just be here forever. Um, the ones we didn't agree on were three D pool by Firebird Microprose, <laughs> which was just stupid, stupid idea. Um, yeah. Journey to the center of the Earth, which uh... yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what that was, was it? I, I think was, I can't say it's the worst game because I don't think it was a game. <laughs> yeah, the worst games in that game anyway, you had to run up the cliffside, was just awful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it did lead to uh, what's his face, didn't it? Eric Chahi, who went on to make um, yes, an, yeah, an, an, some, an, some so, miracle connection. Some came there, out yeah. of it. Uh, Roy of the Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord, that game. There's no nets. <laughs> um, Ocean Conqueror. Oh, that stupid thing. Don't move forward. It just game over immediately. <laughs> stupid, stupid game. That was the, the one with the DJ mixing console at the bottom, wasn't it, as I remember yeah, it? Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> and finally, Blip Video Classics. <laughs> that was god-awful. <laughs> yeah. It's like you forgot about Dre, you forgot about Blip. <laughs> you forgot about Blip. <laughs> you forgot about Blip. But those are the ones we didn't agree on. Those were just on our personal list. The ones we did agree on, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> okay. So the seven <laughs> worst game nominations are Human Killing Machine or HKM. 
Oh, gosh. However you want to call it. Uh, four Soccer Simulator, uh, Dynamic oh, Duo, uh, Wanderer, Archura, Turbo Esprit, and Gorilla War. Oh, dear. Now, how do we split this up? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean. So actually, the one thing I can say is Artura is one of the lowest scoring out of all of them, isn't it, I think? Well, Turbo, yeah, Turbo Esprit and Artura were 9 and 10%. I would argue that we could probably... Although Turbo Esprit got nine, we could maybe make an argument that we could kick that out because it's actually a 1986 game. Yeah, and it was crappy 1986. So I agree. I think let's te- let's just cross that one out straight away. So it's, it was released. This is when we looked at it. So we leave it, you know, it's one of the alter ones, but it's not going to get in the top three on a technicality. No. So, you know, basically the, the, the game just drove off into the side for no reason because it's that <laughs> shit. <laughs> we didn't notice. <laughs> So yeah, um, I think that's, so, that's safe to say. Yeah, and then, Turbo Esprit. And out. for the reasons that we wouldn't normally over, be overly crit- for the reason we wouldn't normally be over, overly critical to um, other games of you know uh, uh, re-release games in this sense, we can't do that. You know, at the end of the day, if this was a contender in 1986 for the award, that's probably where it should have lived in there. If so it had been released back then, and we'd have looked at it, it would have got in then. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. But the, we, I think yeah. they would go for the 1989 releases. Yeah, the um, land to the slaughter. That one. Yeah. So. So that leaves we've got the shit beat him up human killer machine, we've got the the horror that is for soccer simulator, we've got the dwarf <laughs> and duck, we've got the three D game with no three D glasses in Wanderer, we've got Archura which wasn't clearly wasn't finished, and we've got the nightmare that was Guerrilla War. <laughs> God's sake, what a crappy list! <laughs> where do you where do you go with that? It's awful. How you know? How do you separate uh, right. them? What what are you okay, going to separate so them on? I'm going going by my experience. So just my experience of them as games now. Um, okay. So Wanderer was the um, Carlton Hanley one, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it's his first game, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Wanderer was the one with the little little thingy graphics on it. All right. But so it wasn't great. But was it was it surely out of the human killing machine was utterly stupid beyond belief. <laughs> yes. Crap. Yeah. 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 Awfully dreadful. And Guerrilla War. There's a special place for that in this list. Because <laughs> yeah. Guerrilla War was terrible. It was a terrible... Because you couldn't move sight diagonally, could you? You could only go up or left or right. Yeah, and there were, and you just got shot constantly, and they were just coming... Yeah. It was just stupid. It was ridiculous. In, One of the most in, ridiculous in Badly drawn, yellow, blocky <laughs> yeah. horror graphics. Yeah, And it was essentially a Commando Ikari Warriors yeah. type game, which yeah. we've seen good versions of. So Yeah, many times. Yeah. So, so gorilla, so, I don't, yeah, four soccer. Gorilla but, War, gorilla, War, gorilla War goes in the buckets at least. I think Dynamic Duo is bad, but I don't think it's as bad as the others. I think it's stupid, but I don't <laughs> think it's as bad as those others. I think it's you know the dwarf and duck thing. You basically just it's it's a boring game. It's very boring and very stupid. Yeah, but but I think it it stands above the others. Yeah, and I'd I'd say the same about Wanderer. It's not a great game in, in terms of, but it's not a it's not a worst game. No. So so I think Wanderer and Dynamic Duo we can you know cross out as it were. Yeah, yeah. which leaves us with HKM Four Soccer Simulator, Archura, and Guerrilla War. Well, I think. Um, Four Soccer Simulator was was bad because it was four times terrible, wasn't there it? There was so much wrong with Four Soccer Simulator. <laughs> I could have done an entire episode on that game and just just it was it, it annoyed me. I like my football games. I like my football, and when you promise all this stuff from all these people and you deliver that, 
I mean, <laughs> I could I could start with the menu options, the way you controlled the menu. You had to move yeah. right, and it moved it down constantly, and you had to press space, yeah. I think, to select something. The stupidest system. Yeah. I mean, Human Killing Machine was a really, really, really bad um Street Fighter ripoff, wasn't it? Essentially, it was. In fact, it was Street Fighter. Essentially, wasn't it? it just they clearly well, didn't, they didn't make Street, Street Fighter. Didn't they picture it as a follow-up Street Fighter. Street Fighter Two, Fighter 2 yeah. Trying to block it out of my mind, but yeah. What what history we live in where our t- where Human Killing Machine became Street Fighter Two? <laughs> history of games we would live in if uh, I don't that happened. <laughs> but I think if we're going to go like so, we're talking about the worst game. So I think actually. Um, I think um, Human Kill Machine. It was it was really bad, but it's nowhere near as bad as Artura and Guerrilla War, and I don't think nearly as bad as Four Soccer Simulator. Artura is is really awful. Yeah, <laughs> really, really off. Bad graphics, wandering around. Those stupid. It was just bad. It was it was really bad and bitty, really bitty. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it now. And it also <laughs> broken. Do you remember it was really badly broken? <laughs> yeah, you could you, you could go through doors, but only one way or something, and you had to see holes yeah. in the holes, gaps. Or something. They were the other doors. It's stupid. Yeah. It's just yeah. a stupid design. So oh, it gorilla, my head thinking and about it, was it really bad visually and orally in every possible way. Bad. Uh, Guerrilla War, equally so. Human Killer Machine, it's not a great game at all. It is t- really bad. It's a crap Street Fighter game, but there's other crap Street Fighter games that are probably just as bad as that. Yeah, probably. There was that one on the Amiga, what? There was that terrible fighting yeah. game on the Amiga. What was that one? Oh, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's quite a few stuff like that. Um, yeah. But is it, as bad as, is it as bad as Four Soccer Simulator? No, because that's it's, it's from Codemasters, who know better than to be able to release rubbish like that. Mm-hmm. And B, it was... Four soccer simulations that were really crap at being soccer simulations. You're surprised when you went to diagonal. <laughs> well, <laughs> for soccer fans, you know that's this. You know, if you bought that, you were a sucker, not a sucker. So, <laughs> I think you were being suckered into buying what they was pitching as four times the enjoyment, which is actually not truth, is it? It's like four times the horror. So, for me, the the dynamic trio of awfulness is Artura, Guerrilla War, and Four Soccer Simulator out of them. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I'll go with those three. We just need to have a we just need to have a fight between these three. Well, now this is where it gets difficult because they're all awful. Um, Artura is really bad for and I mean and then so we, let's look at the out. You know, you could say, well, let's look at the output of these companies. You know, is this and it's so one is Gremlin Graphics, that's Artura. Guerrilla War is Imagine and Four Soccer Simulator is Codemasters. Three companies that have done you know, better than that yeah. with some of their games. You know, this is, you know, imagine yeah. I've done some, they've done some good stuff along the way, but Guerrilla War is a, such an awful thing. And it's also, a, is that not an arcade conversion as well? Artura, no, I don't think... No, Guerrilla War. Guerrilla War is an arcade, yeah, Guerrilla War, sorry, is yeah. an arcade conversion. So, so, it's, so it's doubly bad. <laughs> Artura and Guerrilla War were both developed by Sentient Software as well. It's a double bill. <laughs> they've, got, they've got both. <laughs> so what a, what a wondrous day it is for them. Um, so I think, um, I mean, you're more of a soccer game fan than I am. I have to say. Mm-hmm. So no, if you put and so, and I know how much you hated that from the stupid loading screen with that guy fist pumping and as soon as the guy was a, a guy. There was a guy urinating on top of a car, and somebody 
headbutting an eyeball, <laughs> yeah. as I recall, and a windscreen you can't see through. And, and what, then when you get to the game, there was that real top-down bit where you're chasing around football on the street in a car park. Was It was parked cars there and stuff. Yeah. It was awful. And one of them wanted even a, a, a game of soccer. It was a training simulator. It was a training thing. Yeah. So it just was. penalties, <laughs> what it, and stuff, and where you disappeared yeah. if you ran it a diagonal. <laughs> the Graham Sooners puppet, and the, the guy goes, yeah. ooh! <laughs> <laughs> on the loading um, screen. So, yeah. They were, so they were, it was... I mean, considering the list of people involved in that as well. Oh, um, yeah, I know. Um, I, I don't so understand. I, and, and remember that this is after MicroPro Soccer. Remember, this is what also is like the craziest and Emlyn Hughes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, no, so and not only did it to so both of those games are out there, this is what you're going to release in competition with those two games. Right. I've seen these amazing soccer games. As well. Release for Soccer Simulator now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... I think if you're going for worst game, because not only is it the worst game in the list, I think with Four Soccer it's, Simulator, it's, it's worst the worst four game. Si- <laughs> it's the worst four game, but it's also the worst simulation of soccer. Artura is a crap game and a crap platform type wanderer. Yeah, but it is doing that. And Guerrilla War is a crap top down shooter, other commando, but it is doing that. Four Soccer Simulator is not a very good soccer game. And that's the real clincher, isn't it? It's a rubbish football game. That's. And four, chance, good. four bites at the apple to do one at least one good thing. Yep. And they got, you know, bad. It was bad all the way through. From initial from loading screens to everything about it was just stupid and rubbish. From the way you selected stuff, logos at the top, <laughs> everything had to be loaded in individually. It's just dreadful. It's just a dreadful, yep. dreadful thing for Soccer Simulator. It is to one of the worst things I have played for this podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree. I mean, if you, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of soccer games, but I, I feel your rage, <laughs> and I'll, I'll ha- I'd happily because it's four, it's four times as bad as the others. Yeah, so it's not one. So I think it des- it deserves to be at the worst game because it is utterly crap. Yeah, where where have I? Where's I've, I've hated things like, you know, Roy the Rovers could have been in there, but we'll get to that probably in the license catastrophe. But four soccer, you know, I've <laughs> hated five aside soccer, and there's been loads of crap footy games. But this had a temerity to do it four times in one package. Yeah. And try and market itself, you know. Yeah, it's a brilliant thing. thing. Like, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. and picture Graham Sooner's puppet, which they should have <laughs> sold with it, really. <laughs> they'd have done that. It'd be in for best game. <laughs> yeah. And also, of course, um, and just as, you know, in a sea of really good football games, that's what you do, is it? You know, that, that's, how, that's how you disrupt that, that amaze, those two amazing games. You know, release a really... And what you're actually doing there is... I couldn't get that one because they didn't have it. I couldn't get that one because they didn't have it. There's Force Soccer Simulator. That looks all right because you made it look enough like those other good ones to yeah. pass it off as a game that they would buy. That's dirty. That's dirty game publication, that is. Get it to the number one slot and take a big poo on it because it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. I think I'm happy I'm I'm happy that that's the worst game of the year. Yeah, I'm not. Force Soccer Simulator. Yeah, you'd have to yeah. be four times the sucker to buy it. Yeah, you would. Oh, yeah. so Graham. Would you like to announce? There you go. That was quick. That was easy. There we go. What was the easy. worst game? Tell us the worst game, Graham. The worst game. The dirty worst game <laughs> that we don't like. The worst game of 1989. A hotly contested award goes to Four Soccer Simulator. <laughs> By Boo. 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 Down with that. Boo. I'm just oh, looking at smells. Oh, the smell of it all. <laughs> I'm just looking at the cover again as well. That guy's head. Oh, it's all bad. It's all bad. The piffling stink of that game, it's, it's making the whole off. It smell terrible. <laughs> it's, it's just, what a dreadful thing that game was. Bloody awful. <laughs> a poo, a poo to it. <laughs> and we haven't even got like to a uh, sewer. license catastrophe yet. Oh, there we go. Right. right. On that note, 
We'll take a quick break and then we will be back. We've still got more awards, best audio, best game, crazy concept, license catastrophe, Patreon, all sorts of stuff going on. Um, So please do stick with us as we take a break to recover from those crap arcades and worst games. Uh, And we'll see you in a moment. Welcome back. After that trip down Horror Lane, let's get on some good <laughs> stuff. Here in our next award, we've got the best audio. Best audio for 1989. Okay, so again, we did our lists. We made our thing. We checked it twice. Um, and these are the ones that didn't make it, but uh, I think were mostly from me. But where they even mention, um, they are Citadel by Martin Walker. Good stuff. Robocop by Jonathan Dunn. The only thing mm. worthy of noteworthy in that game, apart from maybe the overlay sprites, but yeah. <laughs> In a Space, uh, aka Mantelos, by Charles Deenan. Um, had that okay. moody long piece, which I mm. quite liked. It's good, good. And finally, Bomb Fusion by Julian Potts, which I went back and listened to and went, God damn, that's a really good piece of music. But not up there with the top five. The top five that we did agree on. Interesting bunch. We've got Turbo Outrun, Haroon Tell. By Haroon Tell. Lead Storm by Tim Follin. Times of Law by Martin Galway. Finally, Stormlord by Johann Bjerregaard. Mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, there we go. That's our five. So where do we go? Which which direction do we take these in? It's an interesting change of dynamic in the best audio because it's always been a little bit dominated by the few players that were around. And then it's obviously, as we've headed into 1989, the list of composers on the machine has expanded. There's a lot more names in them than there's ever been, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. So it's not just all dominated by Rob Hubbard or Martin Galway. There is a Martin Galway one there, but... You know, and Rob Hubbard by this point is pretty much more or less gone out of the C64, I think. And um, there's the odd one one here or there we've had, but nothing that was made us all go wow or anything like that. So there's mm. been no no knuckle busters or anything like that. Nope. But it's good to see new names in there. Charles Deenan, of course, Maniacs of Noise, Charles Deenan, you know, Harum Tell, also Maniacs of Noise at certain points, but you know, a little bit of, you know, both of them. Johan Biergaard, also Maniacs of Noise at a certain point as well. Oh, really? So, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so, so they, but they're all sort of, sort of those are ex-demo sceners or, con, or continue to be demo scene music composers as well. So there's a lot of demos they were doing, mastering their craft, really. And so it's nice to see Martin Galway still in there because um, he, he came in with a little bit of a third, you know, a sort of a, a little bit of an unknown thing um, and it's a bit of a surprise and just reminded everyone that, you know, when it comes to doing really well-constructed um, pieces of music and bear in mind that he kind of did that in a really unusual sort of setup as well because I think he was sort of doing bits of that while he was kind of working with, in another capacity with Sensible and stuff like that. Mm. So so there's some good names in there. It's nice to see her own tell making a show in. It's good to see Tim Follin. Of course, Tim Follin is going to end up in this chart. This, it was always going to be. It was just a matter of time regarding mm. Tim Follin being there. I know Robocop is a good piece of music from Jonathan Dunn, but it's, it's kind of melancholy and it kind of became famous for it being an advert, but it's all right. In a space, it's quite good. It is, it is quite interesting. It's just not necessarily, and same with Bomb Fusion, they're just perhaps not quite as accomplished as some of these in this top sort of one, two, three, four, five that we've got now. Um, this is going to be tough, isn't it, actually? Mm-hmm. So, because out of all of those, so Stormlord and Turbo Outrun feature fairly extensive use of samples which is, you know, something that was interesting. We kind of started that journey last time when the best audio was won by a sound tune that had some samples in it. And these samples are all far more direct. Uh, you know, they're a higher, slightly higher resolution than the earlier samples. So the techniques of sampling on the C64 and, and things like that have obviously upped. Mm-hmm. I think we made a point of saying Turbo Outrun, out of all the sample-based C64 tunes at that time, Probably uses its samples the best out of the, out between that and Stormlord. Stormlord's got an amazing intro for its main sort of loading theme, and it has got some really good samples in it and a really interesting beat. Now, I'm going to pitch this just to, because I just want to compare those two just temporarily because they're both the sample core type ones. Mm-hmm. And I just want to sort of ask ask you this question: out of those two, you know, compo- compositions in the terms of all the music for those two games, which one do you feel suits the game better? So that's. Turbo Outrun and Stormlord, you say? Yeah, yeah. Because we got just roll the other ones out slightly for a minute. Because these are okay. the two that just use a lot of samples in them, and so yeah. we have to think about that. I did. I did think about that. I, I'm not sure. I don't. I mean, Turbo. I think Turbo Outrun is sort of fresher in my mind. Um, Stormlord. I went back and listened to it. I don't know if ter- does Turbo Outrun really represent. I don't know. I mean, I don't think either of them would be my pick um, for the top ones. So, and I, I, I don't. I didn't. Stormlord's good. But I'll say this, my point, I think um, for the music this year, um, I'm going to be honest and say I had a tr- I had a tricky time picking stuff because nothing apart from the odd couple, the weird ones, I already knew Lead Storm. Everyone knows Lead Storm. Bam, 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 it's thingy, isn't it? Everyone knows that. And I knew Myth before, but not much else really stood out. And I so I think this is the weakest year we've had for audio, for, for, from my point of view. 
And I think that's uh, that, so. I, I, I was struggling. I was going, "What the hell am I going to pick?" So I went back and listened to loads of stuff. And I'm, I'm still because I think because I listened to it all in a big sort of one after the other. It's like I'm trying to sort of remember and pick them out. So I, I couldn't. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that to that question. I, I don't. I'd go with you. I think you probably are more in tune with the audio side of things this year than I am because of your demo heritage. So you were probably mm-hmm. listening to a lot of these music a lot more than I was. You were making demos and pulling these tunes out and using them. Um, and so I'm not passing the book. I'm just saying I, I can't pick one. I think Turbo Outrun is an odd one, um, but Stormlord was was okay. But I think it for me, Stormlord is probably number five in the list, but that's for me. I don't know. What about mm-hmm. you? So I think I'm, going, I'm trying to figure out, so because... You've got to look at the... There's a few factors we've got to put into this that we don't normally think of in these instances. So mm-hmm. the first thing is the volume of music that's there and how that ties into it. So myth is one tune, essentially. One or two tunes, and that's it. There's two bits of music for the for the whole game. Yeah. Now, so a myth is a great piece of music, but it's not as good as some of the others in the list. And, it's, and it is really good. And remember, this is the best audio, so these are the best of the best. Leadstorm, yes, obviously everyone remembers the, you know, the initial sort of smoke on the water a little bit, but that is actually a very small part of all of the tunescape. And then you've got then you've got an entire sort of entire sort of jazz section in there. Plus yeah. there's some amazing subtunes in Leadstorm, which often get forgotten about. Yeah, like just like are. for Bionic Commando, there's loads of really good subtunes in Bionic Commando that often mm-hmm. get forgotten about. And later we know that Tim Falling comes in and goes, "I'll, I'll do a, I'll do you a openings tune. You're never going to forget." Um, and we'll come yeah. to that when we come to that next year. But <laughs> yeah, next year, yeah. Um, but at the same time, Ledstorm does have that, and Ledstorm has the advantage of sounding like it uses samples when it uses none. That is clever. Yeah. So let's just park it. So park that into one side for the moment. So you've got Tim Falling doing some clever Sid stuff. Mm-hmm. Haroon tells Myth's music is very good. You know, the... But Myth's tune, and, I, and I'm, I'm only saying this because it's quite kind of current, it quickly becomes forgettable. After that first bit, it's not the best Haroon tell piece of music. It's good. I think that's a, that's a problem I, I had. Because I remember back in... Go back, like, and I remember Gary would play me tunes and stuff like that. And I think my first exposure to the Maniacs and all stuff like that was Cybernoid and Cybernoid 2 and things like that. Yeah, it's her own Gary tale, was yeah. like, oh, it's a great tunes, great tunes. These are brilliant tunes, things like that. And I'd listen to them. And, and my problem was that they always started well and then kind of went off into that kind of weird, just they never seemed to pull the whole thing together for me, like Galway and Hubbard and people like that and the best Doug Lee stuff did. The, the whole thing never seemed to, it just seemed to sort of meander into a bit of a twee thing. And that's a problem I've always had with Maniacs and Noise. They've never seemed to get a full tune down that I've liked from beginning to end. I, it's just me. And it's just, and I may, you know, and I remember that then. And it's happened, it, when I listen to them now, they always seem to go off after that. They have a bit of a beginning, then they kind of go into a, a beat and a, a, a surprise me for a rush fan that you would say that. Yeah, well, I, well, yeah, but, but I think they just they just go off into the. But it's, it's I don't know. They go into a kind of I don't know. I, I can't describe the beat, but they go into something that I don't that, that feels like the. I don't. It's hard for me to describe, but it's it's never something that's really gelled with me. I think you you look you're looking for different types of melodic European style composition. So you have to step, hmm. step, step aside. Rob Hubbard is a professional musician, first and foremost. And and so you have to sort of remember that he was a musician before he was a C64 composer. So his compositions come from a professional musical composition background. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be more structured that way because that's the way he's been trained. Some of these composers here are just kids at this point. I think Hiram Tell is 17 when he's doing this music or 16, 17 years old. So, you know, so for them to be able to compose the things that they do in that age with this kind of ferocity and this kind of output, remember this 
is this is so, so all of a sudden there's about 50 tunes coming out from these guys they're prolific if nothing else yeah there's a lot i know yeah so and cybernoid 2 and cybernoid i think i think i know what, i think i get what you're saying and and i sort of agree when they get it right they get it right when they get it wrong it kind of loses its melodic it melodically meanders a little bit mm. and so and so the latter half sort of because a lot of the tunes a lot of sort of core composition of music you have a sort of a main refrain, don't you, that you, you, you bring in and you use and you bring that back and you do it in different ways. And that's mm-hmm. how a lot of music does. Some of these have that a little bit. Myth's got that opening refrain. Da, 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 da. How often is that revisited as part of the musical score? Who knows? But maybe not that much. No. And so I think that's so I think they go for a beginning, middle, end strategy, but not necessarily melo- melodically. And in order for that to work melodically, you have to kind of not structure it like that. You can't just have, right, that's the beginning bit, that's that done. Now the middle bit. And that comes from that. That does come from a tracker-based composition style where you okay. are compartmentalizing the music into sort of, and, and they may not even use trackers, so I don't know, I'm not speaking on the technical techniques these, but that does lend itself to that idea. And I know that from composing on things like Octomed and ProTracker and things like that, you can become quite, you create blocks of sound and you organize the blocks. And so, you know, it can start to feel like you're just, you're listening to the same block and it's like, you know, mm. and so maybe there's a bit of that. And I, I completely agree with you. I think that these are an interesting bunch because they're not... 1989 was an odd year for music. I don't remember us at any point really going ape over a piece of music in any particular game. Um, I, well, I think that's... Uh, uh, yes, we, we did a little. Um, I think for around... There's some certain things that, that they, where they did it really well. So not necessarily myth. We just sort of said, well, myth's got a great music and it has. I think Lead Storm deserves a place in kind of the top. I think Lead Storm deserves a place in our in a top three. Yeah, I'd agree. Because because it's it's got such control of the C64 filter that I, I don't know anyone that's ever done it a, a, either as good or ever as good as that, unless they're in the demo scene somewhere. Maybe now mm. modern day stuff with L-Man and stuff like that, which is just mind-blowing. But mm. that back then, Tim Follin's music sounds like nothing else. Nothing else sounds like it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I think Tim Follin needs to be in there. I think second to that, I would argue Turbo Outrun needs to be in there because Turbo Outrun captures something. And we said this about it when we reviewed it. Now, it's got, you know, you've got that Turbo Outrun, you know, and all the stuff in the sample stuff. So put that to one side. When that when the game starts, you get that music. And you get that crowd noise. The engine's revving. It really, really suits that game. And it's instantly you're getting into it. Now, the rest of the game might be arse. And it is. But the rest of the music in it is directly is directly taken from the arcade. It's the same yeah, as the yeah. arcade music. So I think for sheer volume of stuff that's in the music, Turbo Outrun deserves a place in there. For different reasons to Tim Follin. Tim Follin's audio soundscapes are unquestionably the best there is, I think. But Turbo Outrun captures the essence of the arcade in the way that the rest of the game perhaps didn't. Mm. And so it sets the scene so well when that when that graphics come on and when that writing drops down and you get that really interesting music at the start with the samples thrown in, you're like, I feel like I'm in an Outrun game. This is what Outrun was famous for. And I think that's deserving of an award, for, or, not, or at least a nomination for that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, and also with Turbo Outrun, the thing with Turbo Outrun is that it's, again, I was never, I never have been a huge fan of sort of sample-driven tunes on the 64. I like I like my waveforms, my sawtooths and things like that. And, you know, the, the Galways and the Hubbards and the things that they did before Gal, even before Hubbard was pulling in samples, you know, Crazy Cop, uh, uh, whatever it was, Matt, uh, the game with all that sort of thing. And so mega those kind of things. Like yeah, Mega Apocalypse. So those kind of games never, those kind of bits of music, I much preferred the earlier sort of tuneful, better stuff sort of thing. So your parallaxes, your things like that. Um, and so, but Turbo Outrun, 
it's probably the single piece of music or one of the single pieces of music that I actually think where the, the samples work um, and it actually does come together as a decent piece of music. And that's yeah. unusual. I know we said it about Tetris. We gave it to Tetris, which used samples in an interesting way last year. But I think this is sample heavy and leans into that in a way that's quite interesting and quite well done and, and actually gets you Oh, this, this is this is good, and and also feels a part of that entire presentational intro to Turbo Outrun, and I yes. think it works pretty well. So it does, and and let's remember as well that Turbo Outrun isn't all about the samples. This entire section of the music for Turbo Outrun that doesn't have any samples in it. Yeah, yeah. Just, so so I think it's you know it's 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 definitely worth think, thinking about. And like I said, so the 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 capturing of the arcade essence in audio is hard on the C64, but they managed it with that. Fair play. That's pretty good going for a 16, 17-year-old to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of music in there as well. There's, I think there's about eight or nine different pieces of music. Maybe more. Myth. All right. Myth is two pieces, but myth is... It, it's, for me, it's not particularly mytholo- mythological music to that. It's nice. It's a really yeah. nice piece of music, but does it, is, it, is it mythological? Is it, is it Clash of the Titans? Because that's kind of where that game really leans. Yes, not really. Much. No, I would no. expect more God of War in a myth game and I know that comes way later but you know what I mean that kind of you know that kind of tonality um, and then you've got Stormlord in there and now I like Stormlord and it is great music but it's just not really in keeping with the, the game Stormlord because it's confusing because you've got why do you need in a game that's sort of about fairies and vikings and you know magical dust pixie dust and all that and big boobies um, why do you need you know sort of a really sample heavy introduction with really eerie kind of weird music and over rhythmic I don't know so I think I'm going to go back to a, the bit of the classic and I'd say, although it's very understated for what it is, Times of Law is perfect. A reminder from Martin Galway how perfect he is making music for a game of a specific type. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an RPG game where you're going to be doing stuff. The music is absolutely in service. And there's a lot of it too, don't forget. There's quite a lot of music in that. Um, it's absolutely in service of that game. And so I think the three for me in there would be Leadstorm because it's technically a Marvel, Times of Law because it's so thematically accurate, and Turbo Outrun because it's the best representation of arcade music we've ever had. Yeah, I so can that, those three. Would, those, so those would be the three. Now, for a winner, I'm gonna I'm gonna be relatively controversial here. I think that out of those three, um, I would put Lead Storm at the top because I think it's just it's the beginnings of the soundscapes of a musical genius on on a on a eight bit computers and later other consoles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think underneath that, I think Turbo Outrun potentially because of its capturing of the arcade essence, and then mm-hmm. Times of Law because Martin Galway needs to be in our top three anyway. Because he's always in there, and f- <laughs> for once he's not winning it. So, <laughs> Is he so not? I think. So I think. I think it would be for me a one, two, three would be Lead Storm at the top, Turbo Outrun as a second, Times of Law as a third, and that's not a bad list of a trio in anyone's book. So I think those. I would put those three in that order. Definitely Lead Storm at the top. I think. Hmm. Um, Galway not winning again. <laughs> no, I won't put Times of Law at the top. They're good. They're good tunes. They are, but it's not as good as Lead Storm. Never in a million years. Nowhere near in the same realm as that tune. Those tunes. Yeah, sorry, I do like Lead Storm. I think Lead Storm is really clever. I said so at the time. It's the, it's the one tune I'd actually. Yeah, going back to it, I do remember going. This is a really, really good tune. It's got panpipes in it. It's managed to make a good tune with panpipes in. Well, it's it's not just that. It's the all the <laughs> other tunes in there. So I said, take the first one. Fine. You know, you got the. Um, the um, the classic one we all remember, you know, the and all that. But yeah. then go and listen to the other tunes in that game. They mm. are astonishing, all of them. Really, the, re- the soundscapes, the really thumpy bass and the really thumpy sounds. 
It's just, I don't know how you do those, how you get that fidelity of sound and really, because this uh, sound engineering on a, on the Sid is just, I mean, goodness me, it's, it's crazy good. Um, is it, it was it so, one of those games oof. we said as well that didn't sound like it was on a Sid? There's a couple this year we've said that sound that kind of grab a, an arcade sort of vibe to them, have that sort of deep, sort of almost Sega ish sound. There was, there was another one we said as well which had that, but I think Lead Storm is, has the double whammy of not particularly sounding like a C64 tune. Remember that Lead Storm's the C64 version of Lead Storm's the only version that has that tune at the start of it. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. that, 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 all the others have a, another version of a tune, which the C64 also has which is also amazing. And then you've yeah. got all the other bits in there. So just soundscape alone, it's incredible. And it's such a short amount of memory that he uses. I don't quite know how Tim Follin does what he does. <laughs> I guess he's just created a really, really powerful game uh, for, for audio engine. And he's able to really get the most out of the filters and all of the, you know, all of the tiny little nuances inside the SID chip that enable you to make really interesting sounds. Um, and later, you know, he comes back and does, and starts to repeatedly do this. I mean, I'll forgive him for Peter Packrat. But even that was quite a good version <laughs> of what it was. Yeah. But And I think then, as a number two, so if Storm's number one, I think Turbo Outrun, deservedly for a youngster who has just come in and just smashed an arcade piece of music out, I mean, to do a good version of uh, Magical Sound Shower, you've got to tread carefully there. Because yeah. if you do it in any injustice, you're going to, you know, that is a really well-loved piece of music. And all of the Outrun music is. I mean, even now you can get it on Spotify, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a really loved piece of music. And he actually does a version of it that isn't, just trying to copy a version of the arcade. He actually adds a bit of a twist to it. Really nice. And it's seven minutes long as well, that intro. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, we've actually forgotten one. I can't believe we've not included the um, the music to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the action game, <laughs> with it, when you're saying that like, it added its own twist. That should added be in there, surely. complete melody, yeah, yeah. yeah went on its own little journey, that one. Um, so, yeah, so those are my three for best audio. Anyway. Lead Storm, Turbo Outrun, Times of Law in that order. What yeah, go think? on. I'm, I'm, I'll go with that. I mean, I'm happy with Led Storm. I think Led Storm is the best tune of last year. Um, when I was looking through stuff and trying to remember things, there was the odd ones that I'd liked for my own stupid likings, like Bomb Fusion in a Space, which I thought was good. Robocops, you know, everyone knows the Robocop tune. Citadel mm. was quite interesting. But Led Storm is the one that I went back to and went, oh, yeah, Led Storm, of course. As soon as I looked through yeah. him, um, I was, and I was like, yeah, dun. And that, not because everyone knows the, like I said, the Deep Purple yeah. Um, intro or Sabbath, sorry, Sabbath. Is it Sabbath? Yeah. It's Sabbath, but it's Sabbath, isn't it? Yeah. Smoke on the water, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, smoke on the water. So everyone knows that, but it's like once it goes off on its own, it's like do, 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 pond pipes and you're like, what Crazy the hell is good. going on? Um, but yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, Lead Storm. Cool. Yeah. All right, Graham, do you want to announce the winner of our best audio then? The winner of the best audio award, or the Sonic Daisy, as we like to call it, um, <laughs> award, <laughs> is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Led Storm from Tim Pollard. Congratulations, yeah, well done. Tim. Well done. Well done, Tim. Well done um, yeah. on this belated award. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 35 years later, you've finally been recognised. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Woo. He'll be pleased with that. He'll be pleased with that. It will be when he listens. Uh, there we go. Uh, that was a good one. Yeah, best audio, Led Storm. I think it's deservedly so. I reckon he's going to win it again next year, but what do I know? Um, yeah. <laughs> we just give him it now. Have it for 99 as well. Yeah. Go away. Stop bothering yeah, us, yeah, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Tim. Just because you, you love cricket. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. We made a game about it. <laughs> he doesn't like it. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote a song about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, there we go. That's best audio. Let's move on to our next category.
And that one, well, here we are. We're in what were they smoking territory? Uh, oh, we are in we the craziest concept. Um, <laughs> so once again, we went away. We did our thing. We made our lists. Um, the games that were on separate lists that didn't make the du- the double double whammy. We had Terrapods. Stupid. That game was stupid. <laughs> Not because it was stupid, but also the, the, the part of the concept of that was porting it down from the Amiga, which was just ridiculous. You know, stupid uh, idea. Uh, stupid idea. Um, Arg. Which I, you know, again, the fact that it's not yeah. winning any categories is, you know, but whatever, it's dreadful. Spitting image, I know. So spitting image, yeah. Let's make it into a six-round fighting game. <laughs> that is a crazy idea. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Uh, Monster Grand Slam. Yeah, yeah, the Grand Monster Slam was a crappy one. Oh, Grand Monster Slam, yeah. Sorry, Grand Monster Slam, stupid. And myth, um, but that myth <laughs> award just to Mark Kale for his for that story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't worry. He'll uh, he'll smile through whatever teeth it was. I can't remember the stupid thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, his silver tongue. His oh, silver God. tongue. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't be remembering that. <laughs> so those are the ones that didn't quite make the cut from the pair of us, but the ones that did make the cut from both myself and Graham were street cred boxing, Ugh, a Wow Software reptilia design, Pasteman Pat <laughs> from Jeff Calder, <laughs> Dynamic Duo. By oh, Spew ah. and Axel. Uh. Roy of the Rovers <laughs> by System Applied Technology. And Wanderer, Walking Circles, Carlton Handley. No. So, all right, okay. <laughs> Street cred boxing is one of the stupidest things. It's been my... <laughs> my displeasure to come across but i started playing that and i had to what did you have to you have to hammer the fire button to make five men get get lives so that's yeah, how you have starts, to punch the punch bag to get your lives to get your lives and then you go into a gym you're never on the street <laughs> there's no measure of your cred <laughs> nothing it's stupid there's no bearing on the game so oh, god's sake paceman pat what what was that Okay, well, putting up things in a in a square. Put posters, put posters up. While you're being attacked by people on the side who are lobbing stuff at oh, you, was it? So bad. That was that guy with that, that massive weird hat on his head. Do you remember? He looked, he looked, <laughs> yeah. like, he looked like a man burger. <laughs> and you were putting up posters for games that didn't come out on the C64. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. So yeah. uh, well ain't, done, that ain't co- good. Well done, Codemasters. Well done on that. <laughs> You could have changed the images to sort of games that came out. Four Soccer Simulator, for example. But no. Oh, dear. Dynamic Duo, Dwarf and a Duck. Yeah. <laughs> the Dwarf and Duck. Go down a pint. Down the Dwarf and Duck. Um, yeah. And also really bad split-screen view as well, wasn't it? On that oh, pint. it was stupid, Awful. yeah. And you had to sort of... Really? It was really hard to get control of the duck and stuff, and it was just flapping <laughs> yeah. about. And, yeah. oh, just ridiculous. And then, the, and then while it was flapping, your man just kept walking. Yeah, the dwarf he just, did. He just kept on walking. That, yeah, he didn't that, stop. He, didn't, he wasn't stopping for anybody. He was not stopping. Roy the Rovers. Oh, God. <laughs> Someone's so kidnapped depressing. the team. <laughs> walk just walk around Melchester. with Melchester. Uh, walk around Melchester with those really weird drop-down menu things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, go see your mum every now and again and ask for some money or something. <laughs> Just With a compass I'd... that didn't help you in any way, shape or form, as I recall. No, um, no, it was one of those, wasn't it? Yeah, where up yeah. was somewhere. Yeah. Um, oh, finally, awful, one, awful. Wanderer. What, what, 3D game. 
Boasting 3D glasses. Yeah, that was weird, Wanderer, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It didn't the, come with 3D three, glasses. The C61 version is not in 3D, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing it needed to be in a game about 3D, Wandering, really, that. The one thing it needed. <laughs> but no, it couldn't manage to, it couldn't manage a red and green line. No, it didn't manage to do very well, did it, that? No. Oh, gosh, where do you go with those things? Uh, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> well, actually, Paceman Pat, as crap as it is, is basically that poster paster, isn't it? It's a remake it of that, really. So I guess it is a game about putting up posters. Yeah, it, it, so it's stupid. It's stupidly, it's a crap game, actually. It probably deserves to be in the crap games, actually, more than the craziest concept. Yeah, probably. As a concept, it's, it is stupid, but it isn't crap. Roy um, the Rovers, though, a fo- that's a football game where you're looking for your team, and when you finally get there, you've got no goalposts. <laughs> so, there's no net. There's nothing. <laughs> no net. Something's gone wrong. And it's Something's a flick, gone it, badly, badly it's got, wrong. It's flick screen. It's a flick, flick screen, screen football, football game. <laughs> stick, stick right the Rovers in there immediately. <laughs> Stupid. And you can also, like, you have to find the members of your team for some reason. They've all gone missing. Yeah. Like... like and then make, don't you have to make it to the stadium by a certain time yeah, as well? by 7 o'clock in the evening, or, um, the, or the stadium gets bulldozed. <laughs> Stick it in that bloody category immediately, <laughs> right away. Too, Why were you even debating I mean, it? it may be, it, that may have been, considering what we found out about the stories that were actually in there, where people were losing legs and <laughs> getting kidnapped over, it could have been just a sort of, you know, that was, that was Monday in Melchester. Um, <laughs> just what happened so I don't know I didn't read enough Roy the Rovers to know but as a video game plot to wrap a uh, oh you like Roy the Rovers I bought you this game it's a football game why am I wandering around the most boring town in the world for 10 hours oh, trying to find a team stupid um, my suggestion my three would be Dynamic Duo Roy the Rovers and Street Cred Boxing yeah I've got no no cost question about that Roy the Rovers, definitely. Dynamic Duo, definitely. Stupid double controlling yeah. duck game that doesn't work. And Street Cred Boxing, because if, even if you made it to the street in that game, you're not getting any cred for it. <laughs> no, and the idea, the idea of the, because I remember the front cover of Street Cred Boxing was a, uh, was um, that black guy boxing, wasn't it? It was a black, black guy, boxer. black boxing guy who doesn't feature in the game. You've just got yellow panted enemies all over. Do you remember this? It was Attack <laughs> of the Yellow Pant Gang. Yeah, I remember no, now. I mean, I if you wear banana coloured trousers in the gym, you're likely to get attacked, and not for the reasons you might think. Um, so no, street cred boxing was stupid because it was not a boxing game. There was no street and no cred. So, <laughs> no. so and there was no other story to it. It's like, why, what did it all mean? Why am I in it? Why do I have to punch a punch bag for lives? Why does that? Why is that even a thing? Just give me lives. Why do I have to earn them by punching a punch bag? I guess you're training for them, but why does that give you? And it was also really hard. Because it was at the time all the uh, stupidly hard, good, good animation on his arms, though, I remember, although they were perilously thin and wobbly. Um, <laughs> and then Dynamic Duo, I mean, goodness me, it looks so bad, Dynamic Duo. It's hard to get your head around how bad that is. Really naff graphics and just not not good. <laughs> no, and a stupid idea. A bird and a duck, a dwarf and a duck. Yeah, yeah. With no indications uh, on the screen, really, of anything that will help you, and you're just being attacked by splats on a, on a seat. It looked like you remember yeah. we said you were trapped trapped in two brown corridors, look being attacked by splats constantly. Awful thing. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, so, some of those comments in Lemon, by the way, for Dynamic Duo are a pure shit game. And <laughs> this is, and this is, was, and will be the worst game I've ever played. That's from Spaz and TWR. So, um, you know, and that's that's quite recent. So, uh, no, that ain't, that ain't good. <laughs> no. Well done, Spew. You coded a good one there. <laughs> yeah. Just, no. uh, I, don't, I don't know. Where do you go with those three? Where? I can't. <laughs> Um, well, <sighs> I, can't, I don't know if I can one, get... Roy the Rovers, without a doubt. You reckon? A football, a, a, yeah, a football game with no team and <laughs> no goal. <laughs> and about kidnapping. And he's got those stupid images at the beginning with yes, Roy, Roy, yeah. Roy just on the telephone, like it was drawn on koala paint in about five minutes. <laughs> the, and they're sort of businessmen behind him. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, it's got those really bad images. Uh, the team has vanished and the promoters may pull out. No, yeah, and it's just all bad. It's all shades of bad. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Oh, I'm just looking at it now. And he remember oh. he runs around in, in his uh, <laughs> his no really goal. weird red red leotard, doesn't he? As well, it's really odd. There's no goal. I can't flick get a, screen. I, can't, I can't get away from a flick screen football game with no goal or nets. No, no. Bad. It's bad. Weird side side view flick screen. No net football. It's just <laughs> it's utter Melchester shit. It ain't. <laughs> it's. Just, uh, the only th- there's no there's no um, crowd as well was there? It was just that scrolling <laughs> gremlin graphics thing at the top. Yeah, it was just it was a bad adventure game tracked into a really bad football game. It's the, it's the least good of both of those things as well. It's really bad at doing both of those things. So that's awful, what we said awful, at the time. Awful. I think it's just it's yeah. you know if one of them was all right, but it's just the worst yeah. of two worlds. Why did Roy of the Rovers need to be an adventure game? <laughs> and especially following the you know the standard formula for these things, wandering around the streets looking for stuff yeah. well, principally you're the teammates that you've lost that have been kidnapped yeah that's pretty serious stuff no anyway yeah what should we base team. our roy the rovers game on well i did play this game called andy cap <laughs> it's basically not, that isn't it do you yeah. not base it on a football game nah kids no, will love the awful. fact of wandering around <laughs> boring graysville for hours no, exactly exactly and so i think out of those three roy the rovers definitely earned its craziest concept award there without a doubt dynamic duo second because dog and Sorry, dog and duck. There is there is a pub called that. <laughs> that uh, you know, a duo with a duck and anything. And then um, you know, we've already, already we have a quack, of course, haven't we? And in that recent game, we've had quack. And we've got, yeah. And then street cred boxing because there's no cred and no boxing in it, <laughs> and it's utterly garbage. And it's really bad fighting game. Really bad fighting moves against the yellow pant gang. Not good that. <laughs> yeah, it's just dreadful. A dreadful. Tr- no, that is not just crazy concepts either. They're crap. So we, you know, we had to give them their due because I think putting them in the worst game would have been they got lost amongst the other yeah, shit. They are stupid crap concepts, crazy crap concepts. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. There we go. It was easy. Graham, would you like to announce the craziest concept? <laughs> the winner of the craziest concept and probably also the crappiest concept award, column A, column B, is uh, Roy of the Rovers from System Applied Technology. Boo. Boo. Down with Melchester. <laughs> stupid plot. Stupid idea. Stupid game. Bulldoze the ground. They're not here. Yeah. <laughs> why, 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 why are you bulldozing the ground? Because you, you've lost your team. Maybe we should get the police involved first. Because, you know, think about this tomorrow. You know, don't don't do something you, you might regret tomorrow. No, I'm, I've got the bulldozers. Your ground's coming down at seven o'clock on a Monday night. Who's working at that point on a bulldozer? No builders are working at that point. No, you're paying. You're paying time and a half easy for that. Come on, <laughs> this isn't this isn't good money. 
know. <laughs> stupid. Utterly yeah. stupid. There we go. That's your craziest concept. Let's move on to more madness. Because it's that time. It's time oh for the licensed catastrophe. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear indeed. Well, this is this is gonna there's a lot here. <laughs> This is going to be a tough one, perhaps. <laughs> okay. Uh, the games that didn't make it that were nominated by either myself or Graham are Robocop from Ocean, a game you couldn't finish. It was broken. Yeah, broken <laughs> as a, cop. As a licensed catastrophe, that's quite bad. Blue Thunder, um, <laughs> technically not a license, just they've just nicked the yeah. name. Yeah, <laughs> and true. it's an old re-release. And also Gary Lineker's Super Skills. <laughs> so Gary <bad>. unhappy. <laughs> Gary not happy. <laughs> Gary mad. <laughs> Gary, not in list. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gary, you're not in list. Off you go. Off you see ya. Oh, Gary, walk. That's a cupboard. <laughs> Gary, toilet. <laughs> no, Gary. <laughs> not in there. <laughs> uh, That's the kitchen, Gary. The kitchen. <laughs> oh, Gary, toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary. <laughs> oh, God's sake, Doris, get the get the big mop. <laughs> he's really he's really going for it. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to need a mop. <laughs> all right. The games we did get together, though, that did uh, we did all agree on, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, I think. Oh, dear me. Batman the movie, The Untouchables. Oh, I... A lot of these came late. They came late in the year. Indie, the action game. Oh, dear. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the action game. Red Heat. <laughs> Top Gun. Yeah. The Running Man. Oh, my Lord. Tom and Jerry. Ah. Spitting Image. <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm. And Roy the Rovers again. Of course it is. Right. I'll tell you something, right? I'm going to take one out of that list and put it, and potentially put it straight in the top three. Go as on. As controversial as that might sound. Without without any question. And I'm, I'm, I'm only saying this because it is so bad. It's <laughs> so bad as a licensed game. It has to. We have to really think about this. The Running Man. Yes. The Running yes, Man. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm all for that. That game is, is so, so bad. I mean, it's contender for worst game, but that is a, I mean, that's a, License catastrophe by definition. So yeah, I I would say that list um, by license (laughs) of what we said about what was the other one we said something about uh, from ages ago. Might be Top Gun. We said about it before. We kicked something out for not being from this year. Uh, Turbo Esprit. So it's nineteen eighty six, isn't it? Or nineteen eighty seven? So take take Top Gun out. It shouldn't be. It should never have been released anyway. It is a license (laughs) catastrophe, but it would have won. Back in 1987, had we had it been in Zap, then well, yeah. it would have been in the list, wouldn't it? So yeah, but it is so, it is a licensed catastrophe. But you know, there's others that are worse that are more current. So yes, yes, very much so. So we'll take Top Gun out because yeah, like you said, yeah. the Running Man, I think definitely. Then we've got obviously there's the big two at the top, Batman and the Untouchables. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're the gold medal winners, <laughs> and here we are going. <laughs> You're dreadful. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna sort of what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna just park those two for a minute because they okay. they're basically the same they're the same game principally at least Almost, the first yeah so, well some of the reasons that they're in there are the same actually mm. you no know, because but at least Batman ha- but the Untouchables does have a special place because it's so off the mark from the film but I'll just come back to them one second because I want to just want to sort of whiz through a couple of others I think actually we could probably take out Who Framed Roger Rabbit out there. Because Who Framed Roger Rabbit isn't it isn't very good, um, but it is about Roger Rabbit. It does feature Roger Rabbit, and it is, he is doing Roger Rabbit stuff, and it's all the characters from Roger Rabbit. So it kind of, sort of gets away with it. 
certainly, I think it's just, I just don't think it's necessarily as bad as some of the other things that are in there in terms yeah. of a license catastrophe. And it was made by Buena Vista, so they've only got themselves to blame for that. Yeah. So this isn't a third party outfit making it. That was Disney that made their own crappy game. But it's, it certainly deserves to be in there, in that list, but it's not the worst. It's not, it's not as bad as say Howard the Duck was or something like that. No, no, it's not, no. Would you therefore like check out, I mean, Roy the Rovers is crap, but I don't know how well it is. It might be that's a very, very accurate representation of the comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know that it is, kid- but it- well, the, we saw that there was there was kidnapping plots and things like that in the comic. Yeah, we did, we did, and it does admit it admittedly badly, but it does look like Roy the Rovers, like Hugh Frame Roger. It does look like that. So they kind of look like they're supposed to. They kind of have a, the elements of it. They're not. They're they're not terrible versions of their licenses. Let's put yeah. it that way. Okay. So I think I would agree. I think I'd agree with you there. We could probably just strike those two out. That's as had well. it. That's had its moment in the in the Hell Sun. It has, yes, it has, and it's deserved, it deserves its place where it is. So I think as a spitting image I might throw in the in the same realm as well. Spitting image is a crap idea for a game, but it does feature spitting image characters, and it has a spitting imagey tone about it, albeit that it's just a stupid idea to make them fight and do fighty stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah but it isn't. Right. It's not. You know, it, it's as a license goes. It's kind of it's in keeping with the kind of anarchic temperament of that license. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bad it's a bad idea, but at least the constituent parts have got all the puppets and stuff and the little bits yeah, at the top and yeah, stuff. So exactly that. Yeah, okay. So that leaves us with some. So there are some, you know, category one thought processes here, isn't there? So firstly, you know, we've got the running man. Okay, indie the action game. <laughs> Clomper. So so <laughs> Clomper the action game. Clomper the inaction game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no action in it, and this is an Indiana Jones film principally about the action where it misses all the key scenes out or at least it yeah. seems to miss them out and favors the scenes that are just either side of those scenes <laughs> so, <laughs> the easy so, to do so, scenes so and it's and it's also not very good at what it's doing it's really it's a really bad game so that's that is you know that's a big license humongous hit i mean you're not you're not talking about a small hit with indiana jones films you're talking about a humongous hit mm-hmm. so i think that's you know let's put, let's put that one in the sort of maybes Red mm-hmm. Heat, that's just a, you know, a top, a topless man <laughs> punching his way through various locations for that's, reasons. I, I think that's dreadful. I think Red Heat is, is a catastrophe. Is, yeah, no, don't be wrong. It's absolutely awful. It's nothing about, it's nothing to do with Red Heat. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> that doesn't happen in Red Heat. There's one scene where he fights out of, his, out of a sauna. The rest of the film is more like a buddy-buddy cop film. He doesn't just, Schwarzenegger doesn't just rip his shirt off in scene one and just punch his way to, through 90 minutes of the film. <laughs> He does sure. not. So just, and, and it's dubious, that film. Very dubious. So ready, again, let's just put you know put it in the sort of, you know, it's glowing at the moment. Uh, indie, indie is glowing for just slightly different reasons. The, Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry is, it is utterly, well, I'm going to say this. Tom and Jerry is a really bad game, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a licensed catastrophe. It's just a crap game. And it annoyed me because of the thematic of what they did with Tom and Jerry, because there's so much more they could have done. But it does feature Tom and Jerry, and they do look like Tom and Jerry. Yeah, but did you ever know that Jerry went entered the infinite every time he went in a mouse hole? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> yeah, and I get it. They try to emulate going through whatever, and the stupid stuff, and it's crap, but that's more the game idea is awful for that. Yeah, Probably should have been that. in another category. But yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's there. But is it as bad a catastrophe as Batman or the Untouchables? Now... We have to sort of look at those as, and, and sort of sort of look at our rationale for because these are these are gold medal winning super I know, licenses. I know, I know, I know. No, uh, I don't know and why, so you know, but, and we have to and we have well, to look at this why, sort of and look at it and think, okay, what are the elements of Batman that made it a catastrophe for you? For me, 
Yeah. Um, well, the, the opening scene is boring as hell, and you don't feel like Batman. Um, yeah. um, so that, that the, that's the main thing. At no point playing this game did I feel like Batman. Yeah. We just played Batman the Cape Crusader earlier in the year, and yeah. I felt more like Batman in that, like the detective solving stuff, working stuff out, things like that. Yeah. This is a rote ocean game um, yes. using that, as we've sort of seen, that, that hangar technique, which is just a big square. There's some levels and stuff like that. Then you've got the the three so we it's kind of a sandwich in it you've got two platforming elements two driving and then that bit in the middle so it's like a you know, it's yeah. like a crap sandwich um yeah. the bread's off the meat's off everything's off the bit where you're driving is all gray and you turn left yeah. as we said that's a stupid idea so yeah. it may be trying to replicate the film but it's doing it in such a fundamentally b- bad way that it just yeah. it's just all you know, it may work. And it's stupid as well because you have to – if you miss a turning, you have to go back and get around this one. Why can't you just take the next left turn and then the next left turn? You'd be back where you go in the right way. So there's no logic to this. It's all stupid. And then the the fight with the, you know, the, the Joker who's been really at the pastries – um, when he falls off, it's just it's just diabolical. Nothing about that, you know. The the crazy wasn't so camp, but the noirish, dark elements of that film mm. are just lost completely yep. and utterly. And the Batman in the opening scene um, doesn't look like the Batman in the film. No, because um, no. he's because I'm just I'm looking at it now, and he's he's got he's grey. He's got a grey suit on, so he looks like the Batman from Adam West. Yeah. Whereas in the film, they made a massive deal about the suit, didn't they? It was all black. The one yeah. thing that oh, this, yeah. the one thing this conversion does is like avoids the color black. I don't know what's wrong with them. Yeah, yeah, uh, I sort of get what they were trying to think of, but yeah, they've got the color of Batman. It looks with his bright yellow belt looks more like the Batman of the old TV show because he had yeah. a kind of a grey bat suit, didn't he, with a yellow belt on? Yeah, exactly. Um, and we said this about that Batman game. Remember what we said when it first started? Just use the logo, the famous Batman film logo. This, le- I think this leans, it tried to lean into Batman. What it inevitably leaned into for, rea- for in reality was the, the concept of Batman, but the 60s Batman kind of stepped in a little bit. But it didn't even have any of that, did it? It didn't have the power thwack, you know, punching. You just shoot people, shot people with a batarang. Yeah. No, which, apart was... from anything else, Batman didn't do a lot of that. No. And and you couldn't for con, 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 I thought the controls were dreadful. There was, you know, you could die from drops. He could die from swinging into a wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, the pro- the fundamental problem with the Batman game was that he wasn't Batman. He wasn't no. enough Batman. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So that's let's 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 because I agree with you completely, and I won't I won't elaborate any more on that. So the license the problem with the licensed version of Batman is that it didn't represent Batman, which no. is kind of a problem in a game called Batman. Batman the movie. Um, and the Untouchable suffers from principally the same problem: is that the source material had to be um, pasteurized to make it playable to, to for a game to sell to kids. Okay, I get that. But in doing that, you took away the very thing that made the Untouchables what it was, which was the the story of the Untouchables, which is not really in there. there and I know that there's been quite a bit of debate about it on in terms of our Discord and everything else. Um, and you know, and we we went into a lot of depth about the intuitables, and we both came to the same conclusion independently about that. We weren't sat there talking to each other prior to that review. You know, that's not how we operate with this podcast. So we came to the same conclusion that what was there was neither un- really representing the untouchables, the film, because it thematically it goes off the chart wrong and off the rails, but it just leaned into the shooting at stuff idea. This was no, they toned down an entire thematic about you know Al Capone and all of the justice that he was and all those things toned it right down to a game like Batman that didn't feature anything untouchable It wasn't mm. untouchable enough. 
So it boiled it down to him running around a warehouse at the start, climbing and jumping onto crates. And the argument I would make further to The Untouchables is it's it's simply, it's not a game that should have ever been converted. It shouldn't have never been licensed. It's not a game that lends, film, sorry, that lends itself to being a game. It's not a, the no. Bat, Batman, okay, I get that, being a Cape Crusader and a superhero and beating people up and driving and stuff like that. There's action scenes in that. Batman's yeah. moveset and see how that works, and you can you can see, yeah, okay, I get how that can convert into an interesting action game and blah blah blah. They didn't do it, but I could see how it would 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 appeal. The Untouchables, there's nothing in that. I, when I look at it, and I go, you want me to make a game out of that? Like, well, just there's nothing there. It's just it doesn't mm. work. It's a it's a terrible terrible license from the moment someone thought of yes. actually trying to make a game into it. A game out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And remember that Batman had many variations as well. Batman was a lot better on the Amiga. They carefully, carefully you know, paid a lot more attention to it on that. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, probably the same with the Untouchables. But you know, the problem there is that okay, there's still you're still lacking the thematic thematic consistency that's required. And you're exactly right with the Untouchables. Um, it should never. And it, why take that? You, there's a million million. This is a game about the violent, you know, gangsters essentially doing violent gangstery stuff. Um, so does that lend itself to a game like this? No. Do you want kids running around? Batman has action stuff, like you say, Untouchables. Principally, you've got people being beaten to death with baseball bats and or being shot and, and lots of brutality. You know, kids, but kids being blown up in the opening scene. Yeah, exactly. And so. Because they can't touch those things and they can't touch the core thematic, you end up with this wishy-washy, you know, um, duck hunt, really, potentially, potentially yeah. really, where you've just got you know, a pop-up duck hunt type game. So it is a catastrophe. Um, so, again, it's quite difficult, really, because, you know, I think I, I, I really hate Tom and I hate what they did to Tom and Jerry, because but they just made a bad game out of a really good thing. Um, so it is a it is a licensed catastrophe, but I don't think it. My disdain is for the, their inability to make a Tom and Jerry game out of something that's as easy to make a game of out of Tom and Jerry because it's not like it's hard. You just watch one cartoon and you've got your game right there because that's mm-hmm. principally what that is. Big cat yeah. and mouse chase, isn't it? So, but they just made a bad game out of that. That doesn't, you know, it wasn't a licensed catastrophe. It was a bad game. I think I think I'd draw the line for that one. So maybe rule Tom and Jerry out. Okay, and that means you've got to think. Then okay, it's Batman: The Touchables, Indiana Jones, and Red Heat. Red Heat is a really crap <laughs> licensed game, but it's another one, Adrian, in the same film as The Untouchables that should just doesn't lend itself to being a game. What is there about Red Heat that makes it into a game? What? Why is that a good license? It's a violent eighteen-rated movie, isn't it? Because it's one of the first eighteen-rated films I went to see. So why is an eighteen-rated film getting made getting made into a kid-friendly beat 'em up? With, na- with with naked oiled men in a sauna, something's gone horribly wrong. How does how does it trans how do you translate it how do you translate that film into anything? Well, you don't. You, you can't. It just ends up being a dust up in a sauna, which is principally all you can do with it. Yep. Um. It sh- you know, so it should never have been made into a licensed game. Um. At all. And that's the, and that's the same problem that Batman has. The same problem Untouchables has. These things and Batman maybe. I can see, but not I can in the way understand they did Batman. It. I can understand Batman because, like we said, I think Batman and Indiana Jones. So it's for me, it would be a case of probably Red Heat and the Untouchables because with Batman and Indiana Jones, I can understand why they would make them because they are. Yeah, there there are sequences like we saw with License to Kill. If you carefully think about how to actually turn these games into decent, turn these yeah. films into games, you could do it. You could do it. You could look at them and go, right, that sequence there, we can do that. They've just done it badly. Yeah, with Batman. And I think no, the same. I, I, and I, I think agree. the same with Indiana Jones. I think the Untouchables, Red Heat, are just poor, poor choices to actually be. A, you know, they should never have been licensed. They should never no, have been I licensed. Agree. Yeah, I, I actually I completely agree. 
I think you can see the rationale for an Indiana Jones action game, like you can see a rationale for a Batman action game, because there are scenes of action, and the game does have some of them, albeit that they're done badly, and with, in some cases, very loud big shoes. Um, <laughs> but Red Heat and The Untouchables, they should not have been made into a game, and they certainly shouldn't have been made into a game like they made them. So I would say, yes, put both of those in the, in the, the, the dumpster and the dumpster yeah. fire that we've got here. Now, we haven't spoken because we just immediately put Running Man in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I can, it's, but, the, it's the Running Man just got to win anyway. <laughs> but the, the rationale for putting the Running Man in, just so we can close the loop on it, is because it is so utterly dreadful a game in every capacity that it could be. It's not even a very good game, let alone about the Running Man. And yes, they've linked it to the Running Man by putting a very elaborate opening sort of title sequence on it, which does, you know, belies the game. Yeah, but When yeah. you get to that game, there is literally nothing in it. Nothing. No. Now I get it. In the film, there's not a lot in the film. Actually, I rewatched the film, and they they allied all of the part where they get to the game show. So you just start the game show, and but yeah. there's you know, there, and there isn't a lot in the game show. I give them credit where credits due. It's not like it's completely. You know, it's not like there's tons of people to fight. You know, there isn't many people in there. But there's literally in the game, you need a bit more than just nothing. And so they take yeah. all of the context out, which is what they did for the Untouchables and what they did for. Um, Red Heat and all those others it's just that they because this probably should never have been made into a game but I can sort of see like Batman I can see why they may have lent into it if you'd they didn't me, make it good <laughs> yeah, if you'd have said to me make a game at the running man I would have looked at the Metal Gear games that come out now a couple of years back on the MSX sort of thing I would have made this a top down sneaking game through ruined yeah. through ruined environments and then I had a boss fight against the boss yep. thing sort of thing so you were sneaking past guards and stuff like that you couldn't see kind of like that Rambo 3 thing cameras and things like yeah, that kind yeah, of Rambo like what, so Rambo yeah. 3 something similar to that which I think if you'd have done that kept it simple but they didn't. They did decide on guff. Yeah, where you got attacked by dogs and, you got and made you fall backwards, and and you couldn't jump. You couldn't jump. You couldn't climb up bloody uh, you know blocks of cinder or whatever they were. And yeah. so it's just a it's just a, a terrible idea from start to finish. But you, you know you could yeah. have done something okay with it. I, I yeah. don't think so. I can see in my head, you know, as a game designer, if someone said, "I'll oh, make a game out of the Running Man," I'd be like, "Okay, you know, an eight bit style game." I'm like, "Right, I could probably do that." Yeah, make a game out of Red Heat. Uh, make a game out of the Untouchables. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and I suppose you're right because principally the Running Man is a game. It's got bosses. It's a game already. Yeah. So all they exactly. really had to do was just do that, but they didn't even manage that. Yeah, they, so, just, had to, they just had to fit the bits you didn't see, the bits that the film elided on, yeah. where you're maybe sneaking through the areas. Yeah. And there's your game. It's it's written yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, but they, you know, they failed to do that. So is the so is the worst <laughs> thing that they. They, they took a game, they took a film where you could have made a decent... I mean, it's it's worse than Batman and it's worse than indie. So it's the worst of those three that could have been, mm. you know, those things. That's why it's in there. So it's the worst thing that they took a game, they took a film with which would... Uh, not much thought, not really, could have been made into a decent little game and a decent sort of vari- version of the film. Is that worse than taking a film that should have... Two films that probably should have never been made into games? I don't know partially yes because everything's there for you yeah so you get, you, you've got, you get it you're, so you're wrong being, yeah you've been giving everything you need to make it into a good licensed game yeah no you've got you've got characters you've got the plot you've got bosses you've got, but you've, you've bosses, got levels and the boss you've got <laughs> levels and the bosses all have individual skills i mean this exactly. is like yeah kung fu really yeah it's a boss oh. it's a boss fight it's a boss run and we, but yeah, you just you just exactly and and but they did they did have attempts at those things in there, but not in any really meaningful, playable way, and not consistently either. And then you've no. got this weird sort of you know alternate bit where you have to figure that weird puzzles out. No, it's just 
for, for slightly different reasons, actually. It's a licensed catastrophe because of what they actually made. And the other two are licensed catastrophes because of what they didn't do. But the effect is the same. Yeah. <laughs> the effect is the same. So now out of those three, does Running Man need to be at the top? I think so. I think it has to be because it's just poor in every way. And it is a, it's a terrible license anyway. Um, yeah, you know, it's a game. It's a game show. It's a film about a game show. The word "game" is kind of key there. Yeah, and like I said, you, you've 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 looked up, you've you've looked at it, and you've tried to do something yeah. which you couldn't do, and you could have done something really simple, but you just chose to do this. Now, whether it's because absolutely th- that wouldn't have, but it would have worked on the sixteen bits. The sixteen bit. It's not like you know things like Chaos Engine and things like yeah, that. Exactly, you could have done it. They could have done it. It just it, it that requires a little bit more thought and time than they probably gave it. And then as a, as a two, three, I think you've got it about right there. Red Heat, I think, number two, because it is just, it boils down a concept of a film, which is already a high concept, boiled down a high concept film into just punching people through various locations, which is not really what it's about. And likewise, The Untouchables, um, I think actually out of the two, perhaps The Untouchables is more reprehensible in that they also treat the subject matter with such disdain that they don't even use thematically consistent music. And they have stupid credits in it, which are really yeah. silly. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Ready is crap, but it doesn't have that in it at the very least. It doesn't take the piss, which which the Untouchables I felt did, um, and that felt like they were taking the piss out of the people that bought it. Really, yeah. Um, and also bit. with the Untouchables as well, they they just they that it's that end bit. It's the end bit with was it Nitty with Nitty? nitty yeah, yeah. Where you get the blood curtain? Yeah, yeah. Where you where you, you shoot him off the ledge and he falls off and he goes running down, sort of yeah. thing, and that completely and utterly destroys the point of that scene in the film. Like yep. we spoke about it in the review, like about yep. he's crossed the line, he's done the thing, he's done the Chicago yep. way and it's just gone because now it's just a boring shootout and you're being yep. shot at. You're, you have justification for your actions and I guess yep. obviously whatever, but, yeah, and- but this is the whole point of like, you, you can't do the film. You can't do the film no. because it doesn't lend no. itself to being a game. Well, the, the, the key end of the film is that Elliot Ness gets Al Capone. No matter in what that the game, cost. He, in that game, he, in that game, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, <laughs> you, who knows? So, you don't. I so don't even just, know if you. No. At any point, if you know you're after Capone, I don't. I don't know. That's, that's what I mean. So it just. That's what I mean. If that, that's how badly you missed the target, they didn't really think about Al Capone in a film that was about Al Capone. No, no, they didn't. So, so the Untouchable is definitely number two. Very closely run, ready for number one for me, but it's number two. And Ready is just. It's dumb. It's a really dumb idea for take. It's a dumb film anyway, but taking the dumbest bit of the film and making it into a really dumb game, an endlessly dumb game. Well, that takes a special kind of dumb to do, doesn't it? So <laughs> it's not good. Um, no. So there's that. I think that's our three, isn't it? So goodness me, what a licensed catastrophe they are as well. Goodness. Yeah, Ugh. this has been a proper banger year for uh, licensed catastrophes. Oh. Uh, but Graham, if you would like to announce the winner of the licensed catastrophe. The winner of the Licensed Catastrophe game for 1989, a deserved winner, goes to The Running Man from Grand Slam. It is also ranked Padres, The Untouchables from Ocean, of course, Red Heat from Ocean. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. It's not worth losing your head over. <laughs> Nothing is. <laughs> not worth losing your head over. <laughs> I'll be back. Only in a rerun. Yeah. Running Man. Untouchables, Red Heat, you remember them. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about, just to go back to Running Man for a minute, they didn't, do they mention Killian in that? I don't think they do, do they? <laughs> don't think so. I think you do, yeah, I think the, you fight why would the you end do of, that? Yeah. yeah. Well, you, yeah, briefly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know, it's garbage, it's just crap. Yeah, rubbish, rubbish. Oh, there we go. Right, we're going to take a quick break. 
oil our larynxes and we're going to come back because we've got the big one after after the break where we'll be discussing the best game so stick with us and we're back big it's the big one it's the big big one it is the best game the numero uno the top honcho mm. the head whatever <laughs> top game hey, number the one head honcho the hey, number one uh, I probably made that joke last year. Um, Every year. Best... <laughs> I'm nothing if not predictable. Uh, it's the best game. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we made our list. Um, two games did not make the list between the pair of us. Um, I think one is robbed. I think one should be in there for definite, but no, we'll see. Citadel was was a close run contender. I think Citadel's a very mm. good game. Does it stand up against the rest? Probably not. Stunt Car Racer was the other one. Mm. Sure you don't want to move Stunt Car Racer up? Yep. Ah, oh, damn you. Damn you. Damn you with these rules nope. we made. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's good, but, you know, it's never going to make the top three, I don't think, anyway. And it's, it's actually a little bit dull. Um, uh, but we'll just say, let's see, because there's other games in there that are actually quite interesting and deserve yeah, a little right. bit of analysis in there. They, and, they and some, some Some really key ones, I think. Okay. So our best games that we did actually agree on were Power Drift from Activision and Chris Butler, Project Firestart, uh, Electronic Arts and Dynamics, Neuromancer, that's Electronic Arts and Interplay Productions, Times of Law from Origin Systems, and Grand Prix Circuit, Accolade Distinctive Software. Notably, no ocean games in that list. <laughs> no, no US gold, no ocean. I wonder no. why. I wonder what, 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 let me think. <laughs> no. In fact, primarily, the Patent Power Drift, but that's Activision, they're all American. Yeah. Yeah. They all come from the other side of the ocean. America, from America. Okay, so we've got five big old games there. I mean, the odd we one do. out, probably of those five, is is Power Drift. Um, I don't know. It's an odd one out from from a sort of. So we, no, what I mean from an odd one out is like, as in terms of scope and scale and doing lots of disc based stuff. I mean, it's a single load is kind of what I mean. It's you know, I know yeah, Times yeah, of Law yeah. is as well, yeah. but there's also all those bits at the beginning. So and Power Drift is the an arcade conversion. So it, it's mm-hmm. not an original it's so it's not an original game. The others are original games. So that's what mm-hmm. I mean by it's a bit of an odd one out. But um yeah. not not in terms of quality or anything. Obviously I voted for it as well, but it, it mm-hmm. feels like a an, an odd an odd one of that lot of those five. Yeah, but, it's the odd man hypothesis in effect right there, but it's there. It's, it is you know, there. It has a place. So where do you want to start with these? Well Let's think about what constitutes, you know, these, because it's been a, it's a, 1918 has not been a year where there's been a lot of best games to pick High from, quality. as we said. No, I mean, you know, we've gone through, what was it, 180 odd games, did you 186 games or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is actually, you know, it wasn't like it was, these are actually weren't the most difficult to choose out of the games, I have to say. No, because they when we, what I said at the beginning stands when there were great games, they were great games, you know, hands down. And these ones just stuck out. I mean, I, and I remembered them. So, but for slightly different reasons, and I'm going to start with so the so the first one in there. So, why is Power Drift in there? You know, we think well, Power Drift is a, is a does stick out a little bit. Power Drift is out of all of the games we've played, one of the most accomplished arcade conversions ever made on the C64 by Miles. Yeah. So that's, yeah, no, that's, that's the reason why it's, yeah. it's no, it's why it's kind of got a place there. Now we'll just park it there for a moment. Project Firestar is a complete was a complete surprise, you know, and it mm-hmm. reminded me of and the and the feeling I have about Project Firestar reminded me of how I felt about the train. Um, it just yeah. completely left left fielded me. I not really ever heard about it. I've not really never really even played it or not played it at all. And I didn't realize that game's importance until you play it and you realize how influential it must be in some whatever way that is influencing. Project Firestar mm-hmm. is a very important game. 
No, a mm-hmm. very important game. Neuromancer, equally, for different reasons, a very important game in that it's an adult point and click. It's It seems to have been missed in the point and click canon. Um, and yet it's a really, it's a game that requires you to think cleverly and, and, and adapt cleverly. It's not playing it for kicks. It's not playing it for jokes. There's a really good, interesting game that goes deeper and deeper, the deeper you go with it. So the more you get into that game, the more it reveals to you. And that's, and that's an amazing thing for a game in 64 and in the C64, really. Times of Law is just an astonishing achievement for an RPG that I didn't even know existed. I didn't know games like that even existed on the C64. No. No. So no. in the same way that Project Firestack came on, it just completely threw a curveball. I'm like, and I don't really even like those kind of games on the whole, but when they do them, I only like them if they're really good. Times of Law blew my mind um, at how good it was. And it's massive and it's in a single load. The main game, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's astonishing. And then Grand Prix Circuit, the most accomplished sports sim game on the C64 in terms of driving, I think that there is, of what it's doing. Mm-hmm. So what an incredible list of games they all are. Now, I'm just going to go by my, 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 instant, my instant feeling about the game. So um, my instant feeling about the games, the, fun, the one that surprised me the most and the ones that, one, one I've repeatedly gone back to fact it's two out of that list is project firestar and times of law those are the games i've gone back to more often than all the others i like neuromancer mm-hmm. a lot but the games i've, I've played and gone back to since we did, reviewed them are both project firestar and times of law and i've had different experiences with them when i've played them each time as well so i think they're important games and i think they're really good games and they sort of stand out a little bit but it, the trouble is in this year, it's not hard to stand out because there's so much average. So you've got to think about what really sets them apart to make to make them those things. And Project Firestar just captured that horror, you know, that, that kind of horror game mentality in 8-bit in a way I've never seen before. I've never seen anything like that. The little cutscenes, the blood on the walls, they had, it had hints of Halo about that. Um, it had, you know, I mean, sorry, Halo had hints of that in it, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There yeah, was yeah. hints. It reminded me of, of when I played Halo. It reminded me of playing that. Um, what's the game on the big mining ship? Dead Space. Um, it reminded me of Dead Space. There's so many games that, that, that had that that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And it, even in 8-bit, it kind of captured the loneliness of being on a ship with these weird aliens that are wandering around. Um, and it, what it wasn't was just a booga 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 game, which, you know, Predator could have been as good as Project Firestar had they really thought about how to make that Predator appear in that game. And, and, creating yeah. a more claustrophobic vibe instead of it just being a bad sprite running around the jungle. Um, yes. And then, you know, and, and then, so that became a booga 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 game, whereas Project Firestart never did. And there's loads of little subtle logic in there. So Project Firestart for me is a standout game in that list. Neuromancer, I think it's a harder in than the others in that list. It's still very, yeah. very good, but it's a harder in. Times of Law, again, is it? it's in there because it's an amazing RPG, but you've got to like RPGs to like it, right? But you don't, um, and you like it. No, no, I, I, you know, I like them when they're good. I just don't like the really boring average ones. And that's a particularly <laughs> good one. No, because mm-hmm. there's loads of them, but there's loads of them now. I didn't yeah. even know that existed back then. And I think I would have been quite into that back then had I not. Never even came across it. Yeah, so, I would have been. So those two were completely new games for me. Times of Law and Project Firestar. Neuromancer I'd had a little bit of time with before. Um, Grand Prix Circuit a little bit, so not much, but a little bit. Power Drift I'd played, way, you know, I'd played before in the arcades and stuff like that. Out of that list, um, Power Drift, I think you're right. Perhaps it shouldn't be in there. Um, and that's just because it's not as it's a it's an amazing conversion of an arcade, and it's amazing what they've crammed into that machine. But it's not kind of pushing the boundary of game, is it? It's just a racing game at the end of the day, and it's an arcade fancy. conversion. Yeah. So I think maybe we can we can rule maybe we can rule Power Drift out, or at least put it to the bottom of the list. But rule, maybe rule it out of the top three. But when you're mm-hmm. looking at the ones that remain in there, I think I think Project Firestar has to be in the top three for its sheer importance. 
and mm-hmm. its importance in 1989 as a landmark because it stands out like a lighthouse. There is nothing else like it, nor has there ever been. No, and I, and I find that incredible. And now that and it, games like that didn't come back into my life till way later down the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, principally introduced. Actually, you you would know more about that than way more than me because I didn't really restart back into gaming until way later into the after the Xbox and Xbox and into the PS3 and Xbox and Xbox. Um, 360, mm-hmm. and even late into that cycle, actually. So you would know how influential Fire, Project Firestack might be on lots of other games that come on the PS1 and all those other stuff. Same with the others. Um, so I think Project Firestack has to be in there. I'm struggling with the other two. Um, and, I sort of, and I've sort of, i got one eye on Stunt Car Racer thinking, to be fair, Stunt Car Racer is doing incredible te- technical stuff. I just don't <laughs> know how good a game it is because it's, it's, it's kind of a bit of a one-trick pony Stunt Car Racer because after a while it's not really doing anything that exciting it doesn't certainly doesn't expand its world like Neuromancer does mm-hmm. or like Times of Law does it's doesn't it's not it's not that kind of game it's not an expansive world I'm going to explore it's just racing around you know very high bouncy tracks it does that very well but I don't know how compelling a game that makes it compared to Times of Law where I've got an entire world to explore or Neuromancer where again I've got more worlds to explore and Grand Prix Circuit again my, 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 it is an amazing game, Grand Prix Circuit, and it's deserved to be in the best game category, a nomination. But if you're not into Formula One, you, you're not going to really get much, ironically, much mileage out of it. Pardon the pun. <laughs> but dum um, but, um, but but you see what I mean. So it, it's for Formula One fans, that's amazing, and and for, you know, for people that like that kind of racing games, so is Stunt Car Racer. But I think for breadth of game design and the things that are in it. Times of Law and Neuromancer kind of stick out a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, what do you think? Okay, um, I agree that Power Drift is probably f- number five of the list, and that's that's still fifth best game of the year. So this is not denigrating yeah. Power Drift as a bad game. It's not. It's a brilliant, brilliant game. I think it's a great, great game. I think Chris Butler did amazing, amazing things. Um, but I, but f- and for that reason, that's why I was. I thought because I put Power Drift and Stunt Car Racer in the same boat, really. I think they do one thing and do it incredibly well in, mm. in, and do it in a technically amazing way. You know, the way they come out of this sort of up and down racing tracks in a different kind of angle, mm. but they do it in different ways, but they're both technically astonishing and both in a single load. You know, I think that for me, it's like looking at those two games, I was like, oh God, they're just incredible. Um, but they do that thing and they, they do it very well. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Grand Prix Circuit is the same, although the argument could be made is that neither neither you nor me are Formula One fans, mm. and we both put it in our top. You know, so saying that if you're not a Formula One fan, you're not going to get it. Well, we're not, and we did, and we loved it. Um, you know, we put it in our top game. So I'm not sure about Grand Prix Circuit. Times of Law, I think should be in there. I think that's it's an incredible achievement. I like yourself. Well, I, can, I remember people sort of talking about it, and someone said, "Oh, yeah, it's all in one load." So I was like, "Oh, it's got probably not okay." And then you play it, and it's like this expansive, massive world. It's essentially Skyrim in eight bit in one load. Yeah, yeah. You're like going into rooms, you're getting teleported places, you're meeting wizards, you're finding special stuff, you're going having fights. You you can kick off in the towns and stuff, and then you'll you know you'll be what hunted by the guards and all that kind of stuff. There's just so much going on there i don't know how deep it is under the hood and once it gets going sort of thing and whether it sort of shows itself but for what it is in 64k is astonishing on top of that you've got that great intro you've got different classes you can start as um you've got all that music by martin galway it's just a, an incredible piece of software that just 
you know, sits as this kind of, look, if you want to do an RPG on the C64, we had that, you know, because I think we missed one from the craziest concept, you know, by the way, which I just thought about, which was that Hillsfire. Oh, yeah, God, yeah, that was, that was, I don't think we missed it, it was just dreary. But it was a stupid concept, because essentially all it was was a, a, a character building thing for another game. Yeah, yeah, it was, but <laughs> so, that category is gone. But that category's got, I know, I'm not going back to it, but what I'm saying is that, that it's an example of a, a role-playing game mm. that's done not very well. Hillsfire is the sort of antithesis of Times of Law, which does it perfectly. Mm. Um, so Neuromancer is a very, very clever and very, very interesting and very, very kind of, like you said, kind of almost forgotten. I mean, I don't see it mentioned much when people talk, everyone talks about the grand old age of point and click adventures. Mm. And it's always, and I always hear Maniac Mansions, Zach McCracken. I hear, I hear the Lucasfilm games. And is it, is it the Sierra yeah. games? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I hear those. What I don't hear is Neuromancer. In fact, I had no idea yeah. it was even existed. And and as you, you know, both you and I are quite, you know, avid video gamers have been all our life i mean you ducked out for a little bit i've been studying and playing games all my bloody life and i've never you know come across it and so and you know i think it's a big oversight that it's not been mentioned so and i'm not a big point and click fan so this one is another one of those things point and click fans you know point and click games are not particularly my bag but i found your romance are really engaging and interesting and funny in the ways that kind of Zach McCracken and those kind of things almost rubbed me the wrong way. Neuromancer did it the right way. And also, Neuromancer made me go read the book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was which really good. So I went and read the book of Neuromancer and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, okay. I get There's so much in Neuromancer, you just go, oh, there's the last 30 years of sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You, I couldn't believe it. I was reading it. I was like, oh, okay. Now I, yeah, yeah you just reading it so much later and you're just like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's the Matrix. This is just the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. They so much. Um, yeah. But so in there. But I mean, we'll come to Project Firestart. I'll talk about Project Firestart in a moment. My double bill to put in with Project Firestart would probably be Neuromancer in Times of Law. Yeah, I think that's a good shout, actually. Yeah, I'd go for that. So no disrespect to Grand Prix Circuit. It's an incredible, another incredible it's a good, racing it's an achievement. game. And it's not bad being in the top you know, five best game, you know, it, it's good. And it's good that it's also a sports game. Um, you know, historically, I'm not a big sports games fan, but I did have some good time with that game. But it, it, but it is it, it is doing what it does, you know. And the other thing is as well, is since Pit Stop 2, we've had such a dearth of racing games. We have, yeah. You know, and what we've got here is we're, in the top six, we've got three racing games, yeah. you know. So I think that's, yeah. that's it's nice to see, a, a you know, a yeah. good spread of those in there. But when we come to... The best games. Mm. So we've got Project Firestart, Neuromancer, and Times of Law. So I've spoken about Times of Law, I've spoken about Neuromancer. Uh, Project Firestart is, is, I love my horror games. I have done for, for ages. Um, you know, going back, I go back to, so, so, so playing the original Resident Evil um, and Alone in the Dark on the PlayStation. And then Alone, and then there was, I know that goes, Alone in the Dark goes back even further and based on the Sweet Home stuff. Um, but Project Firestart just seems to have been like overlooked somewhere in the fact when I've ever read histories of things. It's only recently, and this is weird, since we did that episode, I've seen it mentioned quite a lot in stuff, and it's in that book I just got as well, which is the uh, that horror book from Future. It's really good. So I'm just reading through that at the moment. There's loads of good stuff on on the history of horror games in that. I should actually know the title of it. Um, it's over there. Let me just go get that book, and I'll tell you what the title is. But it's very okay. good. Um, it's... This one, um, you can see that it's from Ants to Zombies. 
Oh, that's a good book, that is. It's a big old, big old tome, and I'm just making my way through that. Really good, and sort of basic stuff like that. And Project Firestart is in there, so that's good. But Project Firestart sort of influenced and sort of set the themes and the the layout for survival horror, a very specific mm. type of horror that was, you know, where it's basically you are low on ammo, you're low on resources, and there are lots of monsters, and you've got to pick and choose your battles and your fights. You can't just wade in with – you're not a – gung-ho heroic figure you are small and fragile and the monsters will kill you quickly um and that's the survival horror ethos and as you get better and you get more you know used to the sort of environments you can sort of work your way around and you work out the best routes and they're built this around this notion of replay and finding the best routes through and project firestart does that and it has different endings it has multiple stuff to go on there's different you know there's all kinds of things to find out through it there's there's a whole plot and the way that the plot unfolds as well as you going through the game and you find out all these different things about what's going on here and i mean it's classic mm. sci-fi horror um it but it's done on the you know it's on the, the c64 in 8-bit you know they've created this entire sort of space station that works it's got a, a, a space station that uses that 2d view but for once you never get confused about where you are no, they managed to nail that notion where you can where up is sometimes left and right, but you, you just kind of oh yeah, this works. I know where I am. Yep. yep. So, Neuromancer and Times of Law are great games. Times of Law would be for me. Project Five Star is number one. Times of Law two. Neuromancer three. That's my list. I don't know where you sit with that. Yeah, I think I think I think I could go along with that. I think um, I think you, there's there's actually three separate things going on there. So. They're all amazing. And in actuality, that order is probably about right for, for me for the slightly different reasons, actually. Project Firestart, because it's a truly extraordinary experience on an 8-bit machine, which at the time mm. must have been... I mean, it, it's horribly under-reviewed in Zap. It got 91% in Zap. Yeah. Um, this, is the, this is the same magazine that gave Batman higher than that. This is literally the category so, of they didn't know what they had in front of them. Yeah, it, exactly that. And so, so for that reason, Project Firestart definitely at the top. Times of Law... Yes, um, because it's an expansive RPG. Yes, it's a little bit sluggish around the edges, but they try and compensate for that. But at the same time, it's a, an amazing experience. And again, something completely unique on the C64. There's nothing else, as far, as far as I'm aware, as accomplished doing what that is doing. And a game you can go back to and have many different experiences of. You know, mm-hmm. you can just go a different way. It's a big big old map to explore in that. And then Neuromancer, I think, is a very accomplished um, runner-up in third place because Neuromancer is applying a very complicated, dense novel, and taking that, and guess what? Take, making a game out of that. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they managed to take something as complicated as Neuromancer and make a really good interactive game out of it. Exactly. How could they not do this? follow the same philosophy for Batman or, or for Untouchables? Red Heat. And, yeah. no, you know, so it can be done. You've just got to think about it, mm-hmm. and you've got to not try and compartmentalise every game into a big warehouse full of crates or a church, or a load of platforms to climb. You've got to think a bit more creatively than that. You've not got to do the ocean. Exactly. You know, you don't just apply the ocean game engine. Exactly. So definitely Project Firestart, because it's extraordinary. Times of Law, because it's doing something extraordinary. And Neuromancer, because they achieved something extraordinary. So absolutely, I agree with you. Those those three, what a three they are. You know, Mm. contenders, not just for the best game of the 1989, but some of those are probably the best games you'll ever play on the C64. And that's an elite list. So that's that's yeah, pretty yeah. amazing. Pretty amazing. And very worthy runners up in all of the other ones. Um, but those, I think those three for definite, I would agree, without a doubt. And and ironic, for there are three games that we knew nothing about at the start of the year. Nope. 
which is one of the amazing things about this podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't never heard of. Well, no, I, no. I, I think I'd heard of Times of Law. I didn't know there was a Neuromancer game. Never heard of Project Firestar. I think we mentioned no. it at the end of last year. Did we go in? I got a good review. Not sure what it is though. Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that was it. <laughs> and then it came along. So, and was like bloody hell. So no, I think I think the, um, what an amazing achievement that is. And even now, when I think about it, and I go and I think about the little scenes and stuff in. Project Firestar, it's just so ahead of its time. It's it's crazy. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's and people level different criticisms at it. There's maybe the pace is a little bit slower in there. I would argue you just got to think about, think of the games that exist now that are like that. And then think of that game on its own in 1989, for goodness sake. I mean, wow. I, I gave wow. it some thought because I thought to myself, well, we, I think we played the Easy Flash version, didn't we, when we played it? We did. So, so I went back earlier on today um, and played the disc version. Do you know what? It's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. It's actually not that slow. And and considering like you play through something like Resident Evil on the PlayStation 1, that has door opening animations and the doors opening while it's loading in and stuff like that. So that anticipatory bit is part of the survival Mm -hmm. horror genre. That that yep. that waiting to see what's in the next room, like ooh, yep. you know, that's part such of it. Such a good game. So it yeah. is such a good game, such a good game. And the easy flash version that came out later is just a icing on the cake, really. It just makes the game even more accessible. Yeah, so. it does. Yeah. So there we go. Cool, Graham. Would you like to announce the winner of 1989's best game? The winner of the best game from Zap to the Past for 1989 goes to Project Firestart from Electronic Arts Dynamics. Yay! Spooky, but very very strongly deserved. Very, very, very good. Very good game. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, can't can't disagree. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Well deserved. Well deserved. Mm, Right. Bravo. (laughs) Indeed. Okay, cool. We've still got a few little awards to do, so let's just move on to them. First of all, well, we reached out. We reached out to our patrons, um, and and they gave us their awards. So we've got some of those. So just going to go through those here. So thank you for contributing. Thank you to all our patrons. We always we love all of you. You, you may not contribute. It's just fine. You didn't have to give us awards. We don't care. But those that did, Ace. Those that didn't, you know, we know you listen. You support us, and you're amazing. So let's just take that moment to say, you know, we really, really do appreciate you. It's incredible. Um, but awards. Lee Dove, um, his best game was Neuromancer. Ah, okay. Not only a great role, not only a great role-playing game that was both close to the book and oddly funny, not only based on a movie that never came out. This was a game that prepared me for the work of the future. <laughs> I first cut my teeth navigating databases, information systems, and writing fake emails here years before I got a job using those skills. It's a tough game now, but easily my favourite game of 1989. Worst game, Zybots. Yeah. No it's been some poor games this year, but this game barely even runs. Makes the C64 feel like a scientific calculator. <laughs> Best graphics, Rocket Ranger. Okay. Well, it was in our list. It's in our list. was in our list, yeah. One of the lists. Um, I mean, all these have been in our list. Uh, one of the best looking games on the Amiga looks almost as good on the C64. Best sound was Citadel. Yeah, Music is, is eerie, but the sound effects really steal the show. Selling the scenario of you creeping around a deserted automated city. Uh, he's done some others as one. Best Amiga downport, Rocket Ranger. Yeah, best the only ar- one, really. <laughs> yeah, the only one, I mean. yeah. Best arcade port, Power Drift. Yeah. Okay. Can't, yeah, can't yeah. argue with that. Can't argue Chris, with that, yeah. Chris but all he's good at making down ports on the C64. I feel like the arcade game uh, he was emulating, but he outdid, outdid himself here. Brilliant piece of coding and a fun game that outperformed the 16-bit versions of the time. Yeah, they were really sluggish. Yeah. 
they was robbed, most underrated game. It's Times of Law. 80% for the largest open world RPG on the 8-bits at the time. And in one load, they didn't know what they had in their hands. That's what we said. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> like Pirates said. of the Year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, game most ahead of its time, Project Firestart. Invented cinematic yeah. survival horror years before Alone in the Dark was even a blip. Yep. Most clumpy of boots... <laughs> Indiana, Jones, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis now I this, this was that other one where you're driving around a car and then went in them buildings yeah what was that called it was um, cyber not cyber I know which one you mean yeah, what that was clumpy what was it uh, no I don't think it was no, techno it wasn't. although that did have clumpy boots as well that had clumpy that boots the, that was the ever-footed stormtrooper wasn't it in that one so there was a couple <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, this was crunchier than Rick Dangerous best Indiana Jones game was Rick Dangerous <laughs> ironically yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh most maps we heard you like maps so we put maps in your maps is war in middle earth no argument there that was mappy map map yeah and you spin me right round baby right round <laughs> like a record baby right round right round was forgotten worlds <laughs> stupidest <laughs> control system yeah. it's just ridiculous just ridiculous uh david hern writer um he gives us his as uh his best game was times of law Okay, yeah, yeah. Chris Roberts would woo his late with Wing Commander, but for now, this was the pinnacle of C64 RPGs, my book. 13,000 screens worth of adventuring. Goodness gracious me. That's a lot. Yeah, it was always logical, and the quest never felt hopeless. Like, Pirates and Shogun should have been a gold medal. He won't stop yeah. about a Shogun Willy. He won't nope. stop. He won't. Shogun Willy sounds like somebody, like a circus <laughs> act, though. Shogun Willy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Project Firestart right behind it, having the most atmosphere in a C64 game ever. Power Drift running in third place, followed by Stone yep. Cow Racer, Rocket Rangers, Speedball, and Grand Prix Circuit. Okay. Uh, best sound, Power Drift. Okay. Okay. Yes, I know Dave Lowe's rendition of the Hiroshi Kawaguchi classic main tune, Side Street from the Acorn. It's only three minutes long, but it's about how it fits with the game. It sorry, does, Turbo, not fans. Sorry, Turbo Outrun, but you have settled for second place, despite being more fancy. Mm. Okay. Mm. Worst game is Red Heat. Yeah, no argument there. So boring within the first 10 seconds and doesn't get any better. Running Man, Renegade 3 and Double Dragon are right behind it. So many dog eggs to wade through. Um, <laughs> where was the QAQC? Go home, 1989. Your software houses were drunk. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah. That's going on a T-shirt, that is. That really is. Best Specky Port, Saboteur 2. Where's Specky Port? Saboteur, Saboteur 2. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably top one. But yes. Yeah. Uh, nice try, but a bit off more than you could chew. Test Drive 2 and Total Eclipse. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Can I have an option with my options, please? International Team Sports, followed by <laughs> Omniplay Basketball. <laughs> Yeah, that's, put, that's a lot of options. Yeah, if we put options galore in, they'll never notice these games are crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've always got the big option, switch it off. Yeah, true, yeah. Um, and we've got uh, AL82 Retro. Um, it's got submissions, a couple of submissions. Uh, best game, Project Firestart. Yeah, go. yeah, good. Um, with the C64 games market drowning in an ocean, pun intended, of effluent and uh-huh. arcade ports. Movie license, I haven't read these, by the way. Movie license are general crappery. 1989 was still rewarded the Commodore faithful with a few diamonds in the somewhat brown and nuggety rough. Project Firestar <laughs> is, in my opinion, the stand-up game of 1989. This sci-fi survival map is heavily inspired by the original Alien movie, and in gaming yeah. terms can be described the 8-bit progenitor, the likes of Dead Space and the Callisto Pro- Protocol. But indeed. Yep. Um, there's claustrophobic adventure deposit to play in the Elec of the Prometheus. 
Um, to grim, yeah, okay, the storytelling atmosphere, puzzle solving, intense combat results in a game experience quite unlike anything else on the C64 at this time. Although its restriction to release on disc probably meant a great many C64 owners never got to experience one of the first survival horror games ever made. Probably, it's probably true. It pro- I don't even know. I'd never even saw it in the shops. You know, no, this makes I Project Rise that my choice for best game of '89, possibly the best C64 game you've never played. We yeah, that's true. <laughs> that um, be true. The worst game was The Running Man. Yeah. Possibly the most hotly contested of all the award categories for 1989. Yeah, we, we, we had th- we had four of them. License catastrophe, worst game, crapcade conversion, or three of them. Crapcade conversion. <laughs> they were so bad, we spread them out over three categories. Um, <laughs> games based on Hollywood movie licenses have supplanted the burning garbage pile of arcade conversions with a veritable cesspool considered some of the most obnoxiously bad games in the C64 library. There are far too many candidates to choose from, all of which have equally valid reasons for walking away with the worst game award, but we can only choose one. My boat goes to the running man. You only need to play the game for the briefest of moments to understand why. The controls, sound, and graphics are universally terrible. I'm trying to get the main player sprite to traverse the various platforms. A bunch of concrete benches, which definitely did not appear in the movie, is virtually impossible. The combat is woefully bad, thanks to a jerky animation system and crap collision detection, leaving the player flailing impotently at opponents. The sight of a badly animated Ben Richard poking at Dynamo with a white pointy stick, I think it's supposed to be from the front thoughts of a motorcycle, is laughably bad. Blighted with some of the worst game design and mechanics yet witnessed on the bread bin, I'm loath to describe this travesty by Emerald Software as a game. The Running Man has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. The most ignoble of its offences that earns it's the most dire of Zap to the Past awards. Mm. There you go. True. Um, sequel Nobody Asked For Award, Renegade 3. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who wanted it? <laughs> no one. Nobody. Nobody. Especially when they saw it. Yeah. Best arcade conversion, Rainbow Islands. Yeah, we don't do okay. the best, do we? Maybe we should. No, maybe we should really do that, actually. Yeah. But I probably Rainbow Islands is probably the best. Yeah, maybe we'd go. I would agree, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> there you go. Honorable mentions. Well, I don't know. Honorable mentions for Shinobi, Operation Wolf, and New Zealand Story, and Cabal. It's either Rainbow Islands or Shinobi, isn't it? I guess. Probably one of those. Oh, New Zealand Story was pretty good. So surprisingly, the quality of coin-up pots has probably improved for 1989. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Shitty looks all around there. After the list we just went through. Worst arcade conversion, <laughs> Double Dragon. Yeah. This one no was doubt. personal. I loved the arcade game as a kid, and I think this was the one C64 game I was generally upset about being so dreadful. Yeah. And finally, best music, Myth, by Haroon Tell. Although his Turbo Outrun score is more technically adept, the opening theme tune to Myth is just epic. Great melody and perfectly suits the game. Fair enough. There you go. That's our Patreon awards. Thank you very much. Um, we always <laughs> love getting them. So cool um, that you we take do. part. It's also awesome. always awesome. Best film. Um, I listed the ones that I thought we might go through of these lists. Die Hard. Okay, yeah, I think that's good. What Die, do you think? Okay, Die- yeah. Let's have a look. Let me just bring up the list again one second. All right, go on then. Bring up the list. Uh, okay, so what we got? Die Hard. Okay, yeah. Can't argue with Die Hard, can you? Really? No. Naked Gun. Man on Earth. I was thought you might go with Dangerous Liaisons, personally. For the best film? Mm. Um, now, Dangerous Liaisons, I, it's a, I like that personally. I mean, I love it, but I wouldn't say it was the best film. Um, not when you've got films like... I mean, look, I'm trying to think of my age around that time and the kind of films that really... I mean, I love They Live. I, yeah. I later like Dangerous Liaisons. That's sort of a thing I like more now than then. Mm-hmm. Um, Man on Terror, I kind of... I do, but I'd never, I got kind of introduced to that later... These films that appeal to there. different parts. Yeah, this th- yeah, yeah, I'm the same. There's things that appeal to my personality in there. I know I like the Naked Gun movie because it's so stupid and it has really funny bits in it. Um, so I, out of those ones, you know, Die Hard because it's Die Hard and I just think it's amazing. It's still a great film to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
good action. Naked Gun, because it is hilarious and stupid, but it's basically the best police squad movie they've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and they live actually at well, Indiana Jones. I, I actually much prefer the first one than the other two of those. I know it's controversial to say. I just I just prefer them. And they're all good, but I prefer that one. And then they live probably. And um, those are the kind of ones. I, at the time, I would have dug those more than the others, I think. And Uncle Book it was a video one for me. I kind of discovered that on video later. So. Yeah. Um, I think mine out of the list we've got there would be Die Hard, um, uh, Dead Poets Society, which I, I, again, when we, when we discussed that, I watched it again recently and, and it's still amazing. I still think it's a brilliant film. Um, and probably Back to the Future Part 2. Mm, yeah, fair dues. Yeah, it's it's a great film, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but they're all good films. Best music? <laughs> well, the ironic thing about 1989, as we've seen, is we spoke about this years ago when we first came across the Now albums, was that the Now albums have been cast out the charts. That's why we've not seen any. Well, they have, yeah. They've, they got biffed because they were too sick of them taking up the whole chart. So Yeah. So what's our best music for uh, 1989, Graham? Um, is it wet, wet, wet? Is it no, no, no? <laughs> no. No, 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 it's, it's not, not. Is it? I don't know. It's a toss-up in it between the shadows, Sam Fox, and Shaking Stevens. All the S's. <laughs> all the S's. That's what I was thinking. It's, um, all it's the a S's. Triple are there. S treat. <laughs> it's the, it is a triple. We had one of them ages. Triple S. We haven't had one of them in ages, actually. So yeah, I think you know between those three, they've given us who's given us the most fun and the most. It's probably those three out of that lot, to be yeah, fair. Not for the reasons they thought. Although, you know, Julio no. Iglesias, I think, may be in there as well. Um, yeah, true. For his, for his, I, mean, I don't know and if he's our this no. year. Or... And remembering, of course, that Shaking Stevens does get progressively sweatier um, in the later <laughs> into his video. So the most recent videos, he's looked quite ill. He's got a that's ghastly colour. That's because he just puts on more jumpers. He's, he's thick of jumper <laughs> by the end. He's very thick of jumper, yeah. He's just a sweaty mass. He's a melting mass. And I mean, Cliff Richard, we could throw in there, of course, for a laugh. You know, got to oh, bring Cliff in, have you? Yeah. Yeah. So you can summon him easy by doing his chant and he'll just appear. <laughs> by doing, what's his face? Van Morrison's chant. Yeah. I mean, he's so popular that even Gary does an impression of him. And that's saying something. He doesn't do many impressions and he certainly doesn't do many good ones. And that's one of them. <laughs> but he does. he does do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's your best music. Shadow, Sam Fox and Shaking <laughs> Stevens. It's a triple bill of terror. Oh, there we go. That's our awards for this year. The only thing we have left to do is just look forward to 1990. It's a new decade. There we go. We're about the 80s. Literally, we are, finally. I've put a list of the games that scored highly. Again, a lot of these, no idea about, um, but some of them you might more recognise, but um, some of them I do. So big games for next year, going by the scores and maybe things that I've heard of. Ghouls and Ghosts. Yes, yes. I, I know the, the music. I don't know if the game's any good. It's a gold medal, I think. I think it's a gold it's medal. A, it's a good game. It's a good game. More of the same, but a good game. Okay, Retrograde. That's an interesting game. It's the Thalamus one, isn't it? I think um, so, yeah. Good. Isn't yeah, it a good. sidearms type affair? Yeah, essentially, essentially sidearms, yeah. Right, okay. Uh, Operation Thunderbolt. Now, I've put that in there because that's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, controversial Operation Thunderbolt, yeah. Yeah. Something called Space Rogue. Never heard it's of a that. gold medal of 97%. Wow, but by looking okay. at this sort of thing, it's flying around in space with filled in 3D models. Okay, that could be good. It could be shit. It could be, you don't know. Vendetta? So, yeah, Vendetta's the System 3 one, isn't it? It is, yeah. It looks suspiciously like the uh, 
um, Last, Last, Ninja Ninja Last Ninja Engine with different sprites. Yeah, it, looks, it looks exactly like Last Ninja 2, <laughs> but all right. You know. <laughs> is this Last Ninja 2? No. <laughs> no, how dare you? It's got, clearly got Vendetta guy in it. Yeah. Uh, Sim City. <laughs> Curious. Okay, let's see what that's like. I didn't know there was a version of SimCity for the C64. I, I didn't either, and I can imagine it's... Because it's, if it's by the SimCity people, the actual it's, people, obviously... It's Will Wright. So then, it you know, that could be quite interesting, that, because that's be, a, yeah. quite an amazing thing. Um, Ferrari Formula One. No, um, no, nothing of this. A, no, but it's another big scorer, 90% and looks looks okay, Grand Prix Circuit style. Okay. Um, so it might be good. Pipe Mania. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't, I've never heard of it. Got a good score. No. Never heard of Turrican. Okay, yeah, the, the Turrican finally starts to show up. Turrican's a very cleverly coded game on the 64. Mm. Is that the what? Is that music? Yeah, uh, I don't know if Turrican is. I think it is actually, yeah, because it's basically the same people that made Catechist, so yeah, I imagine it is. Yeah. Uh, Ninja Spirits. That doesn't That's, sound very good. Well, I think it's supposed to be pretty good. It's I think it's it's Chris Butler's last game. Oh, okay. It's All an right. arcade oh, conversion by Chris Butler, I think. That's- that's the one he wanted to do, didn't he? So he, yeah. so he, I remember yeah. it. So yeah, okay, okay. Take it back. Could be good. Could be all right. Fiendish Freddy's Big Top of Fun. No, nothing of that. <laughs> I've heard of it, but well. I don't know anything about it. International 3D Tennis. Where did this uh, is by Sensible Software? Yeah, I, I remember reading about it in their um, Sensible book. Um, I think it was basically Amiga, really. So what the C64 version is like, I hate to think. Don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You could surprise us. Yeah. Uh, Space Harrier 2. Mm, I think it's going to rhyme with 2. <laughs> Who knew there was... I had no idea this was. This is like Turbo Outrun. I was like, ugh. Yeah, um, Turbo Outrun, I think you'll find it's more like. <laughs> space. Yeah. Space. Yeah, whatever. Blood Money. Yeah. Menace Light. This is not menace. This is blood money. Du, 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 du. Promise. Uh, there's a version of a Die Hard. Could be interesting. Okay. Don't could, know. Could be curious. Could be cu- clacks. Sounds painful. Yeah, I've got a dose of the clacks. Uh, Yogi's Great Escape. What the fuck is it about Yogi Bear that keeps coming back? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What's Remember, a, he, just had a, he just had the sequel to his 1961. <laughs> they just rounded off the story. People have been waiting 30 Yogi, years for. There's more Yogi games than there is Bugs Bunny games. What <laughs> the hell is that about? I don't know. Uh, murder? I said murder. <laughs> you said, <laughs> you said murder? murder. <laughs> I said murder because you said murder. I said murder. Murder. <laughs> anyway, murder is a game. Uh, it looks like another one of those killed until dead type things. Okay. So it could be all right. Iron Man Stewart's Off-Road Racer. Oh, any game that's got something in it called an Iron Man Stewart. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I've heard lots of good things about that. It's like a sort of pseudo... It's, I think it's an... I'm not sure if it's an arcade game. I don't know. I can't remember. But it's, want, like, it's a pseudo sort of 3D <laughs> um, super circuit type thing. I want Iron Man Stewart to fight Terry Strong in a battle to <laughs> death. <laughs> he could be so good for him. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, Flimbo's Quest. Hey, Flimbo's Quest. All right. Uh, Deliverance. <laughs> well, uh, this is Stormlord, sorry, Deliverance 2. Stormlord yeah, 2, yeah. Deliverance. It looks looks a lot like Stormlord 1, but okay. Yeah, I think it does, yeah, yeah. Apparently uh, it's better, though. Apparently it's better, but we'll see. Okay, we'll see. Golden Axe. Okay. 96% gold medal. Rating. Good music in it. I think it's Jerome Tell did the music. Surprise, surprise, I think, for Golden Axe. It could be wrong, though. could be wrong. I've, I've looked at it. It seems like there's only ever one enemy on screen at, t- at a time. You, you've never played that version of Golden Axe? They <laughs> <laughs> call it Mono Axe. <laughs> yes, this is the, this is is the Golden it? Chopper. They've got the Golden Axe. We've got the, the the bronze chopper. We've got the we've got the yellow <laughs> the yellow chopper. <laughs> exactly. Their buns have no seeds. <laughs> 
uh, creatures. <laughs> yeah, it's good that is on the It's supposed to be quite good, isn't it? Chase HQ2 it is, yeah. Special Criminal Investigation. That's cat okay. only. Don't oh, you know. interesting. Okay. All right. Um, Atomic Robo Kid. Don't know much about that. It's an arcade conversion, but um, okay. I've, I've played it recently, um, and it's actually quite. A, it's, it's a weird arcade game, so I'm interested to see what they make of that. Um, okay. And finally, Midnight Resistance. No, that's not a conclusive list, of course, all of that, but uh, Midnight Resistance is an interesting one to think about. No, 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 it's not inclusive sort of thing. It's just some of the ones I picked out from next yeah. year. That's Midnight Resistance is meant to be quite good on the 64, I think. So, Yeah. I mean, it could be that there's games that come along that we're not expecting, that are not in this yeah. list, that blow our minds. We don't know. That's the yeah. beauty of this podcast, yeah. as we found this year, where three games took the best game spot that we'd never actually yeah. played or heard of. Yeah. Um, Correct. So I think that's quite something. So that's it. That's it. That's the Breadbin Awards for 1989. It has been quite the year. It um, has, it's indeed. It's been an eye-opening year. Um, Graham, do you have any final thoughts as we bid farewell to the 80s and say hello to the 90s? My only final thought is I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to enter 1990. With... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually, it's something actually, it's, 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 there was a conversation I've, I had on with one of our amazing patrons, Lee Dove, um, and it was just principally around some thoughts that I'd, it sort of put me on a different track. So it's not that I'm going to change the way I'm looking at the reviews or anything else, because I'm calling crap games out for what they are regardless. And I'll continue to do that because I think it's now a personal mission to make sure that, you know, good games are heralded for what they are. The bad games are not. I think that's, you know, that's important because there is far too much retro reverie for some of these games where there's, you know, there's an entire genus of thought out there saying how great they are. And then we've come to play them. And, you know, yes, it's only my opinion and that's fine. I'm entitled to it. And my opinion is that most of them aren't very, a lot of them aren't very good, are certainly not as good as they seem to have pretended they were all these years. So mm. I'm going to continue calling that out. But what I also am going to bear in mind is uh, I'm going to try and apply a little more time-based context to my understanding of them. Their release at the time, their accessibility at the time, the medium that they're on at the time, and just some of those sort of, some of those factors that perhaps I've not taken into as much consideration. Um, so just, you know, because that does factor in on some of these things, especially now, because we're heading into 1990. It was midway, maybe even early, early to midway through, maybe sort of the first quarter of that 1990, where I didn't, I, I got rid of my C64 altogether and I upgraded to the Amiga. So there's going to be a certain point during 1990 where every game that's coming out is one, not one that I played on the C64 first. Mm. So that's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. I made my last demo in 1990 with you, strangely enough. You um, did. We did. On the yeah. C64. So it's a year of me saying my farewells to the C64 back in 1990 and moving to the Amiga. And the Amiga presented an entirely whole different aspect for me and led to some amazing things, magazines that we'd made and videos that we'd done, you know, compilation videos that we did. And it just led to a whole new avenue of media production mm-hmm. in terms yeah, of music and stuff that I still do to this day. So the Amiga for me is this incredible, C64 set the benchmark for my interest in computers forever. But the Amiga is where I really found some of the niche things that I could do with computers. And the games were also amazing at times. So it's going to be interesting to see where, where the, what the C64 was doing. And I mean, you probably had that last year, I think, didn't you? And be saying at the end of last yeah. year, you know, 89 was kind of that year for you. 90 is going to be the year for me. So I'm looking forward to that. And I am going to embrace the, you know, that conversation I had with Lee Dove, where he kind of, when I was chatting to them on the Discord, it just made me realize that I wasn't being harsh for harsh's sake, but I, you know, you've got to take into account the context of how people are engaging and playing these games and what it might mean to them at that time in that time frame. So, you know, and there was a discussion we had about Untouchables, I think, and a few other games around that time and, you know, what they presented at the time. 
And I'm going to factor that in a little bit, but I'm still going to tell you if the game's crap, it's going to be, t- I'm going to make sure it's known um, <laughs> because I feel that's the duty, you know, and that's just the way it is, you know. And But I'll equ- equally, I'm pleasantly surprised by the great games as I have been for 1989 and as has been played out with the best game, like you said, three games completely left field, very little experience or none in some instances of those. What amazing experiences have I had with them since? So that's what I'm looking forward to. Aid, what about you? What about your year? Oh, I'm just going to just keep it as it is. I'm just going to call rubbish rubbish. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I think <laughs> I think it's just going to continue to be. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as ever. Um, and you know, seeing that what games are coming, there's probably some interesting stuff. And I think it's those those um, those diamonds in the rough that keep us going. There's there's you know, I knew I knew the plethora of most of the games was going to be rubbish, and that's been borne out. But I didn't quite realise some of the shady practices and stuff, and some of the obvious dodginess that's clearly around them in the magazines and in the reviews and in that kind of stuff. And I think discussing them is quite, it's quite interesting looking back on it now. Um, But this is, yeah, this is completely sort of new territory to me now, 1990. I don't think I played a single one of those games in that period. I think I might've played ghouls and ghosts at your house. I might've seen vendetta. The rest is a Turrican. I played on the Amiga at yours. Um, I remember you having that. Mm. But the rest is a complete and utter voyage into the unknown, and so that's I'm kind of looking forward to it. And it's a new, you know, it's a new, uh, a new decade, a new year, and everything. Who yeah, knows? New what's music, going on. new films, and new you know. music. Yeah, I'm looking forward to more. Hopefully, there's more Shaking Stevens, there's more Sam Fox. Um, mm. You know, but, but they come, they come in pairs, not literally, <laughs> but they do. They they arrive in pairs. Sorry, they arrive in pairs, and maybe even <laughs> some more shadows to uh, twang our guitar strings at. There's always going to be a best of to Shadows album. There's now one every year for the rest of time. True, that and um, Foster and Allen. So, you yeah, know, well, they're, things, they're still there, they're still going. Things to set your watch by. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, next year will be interesting, same as it was, same as it was this year, but um, I'm just looking forward to doing more podcasts, playing more games, seeing what highlights and lowlights we find. Because sometimes, you know, those, there's always comedy in those terrible things. Um, and I'm just looking forward to making more podcasts and yeah and keeping at it just from the uh the movie side by the way because you know you've got total recall 1990 mm. dark man is in there Ooh. goodfellas 1990 um predator 2 back to the future king 3 of willy. course <laughs> king willy will see you now uh robocop <laughs> 2 of course ganja man <laughs> you want some ganja man uh, Awakenings, if you want to have, you know, weep for hours. Um, Ninja Turtles <laughs> makes its first appearance. Yeah. Home, Al- Home Alone was the 1990s, or 1990 specifically. Problem Child, ki- Kindergarten Cop, oh, Misery, God. Kings of New York, Jacob's Ladder, The Hunt for Red October was 1990, I think. That was when it showed on Channel 4, I think, for the first time. So there's, there's quite a lot of top films from 1990 anyway that we're going to be coming across in there. So quite a few. Yeah, Probably a lot cool. of crap as well. Um, I think um, The Watchers 2 came out in 1990, as I recall. Oh, dear. Hopefully there's... A, I can tell you, actually. I've got it all here. I've got the list. Um, I hope that there is um, more Coronation Street stuff. I hope we get oh, don't, more... Don't, don't doubt that. <laughs> more stuff about um, uh, CFAX. Looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the best. I'm looking you know, at the... By film. the way, just as an aside, the... There's a new advert out for McDonald's where they're basically parodying CFAX. Have you seen Damn that advert? Them. No. I know. How dare they? How dare they? Uh, I've not seen Weekend at Bernie's or Tango and Cash. <laughs> Tango Tango and Cash. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. Uh, no, Hunt, for, Hunt for October is out. Is it, is it the cinema this year? All right. Um, I, thought, I don't know why I thought it was on TV. I thought we'd already done that one. But... Another Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, The Witches, Dreams, Hell Nights. What else we got? 
all depends what's released. Oh, the vanishing. Oof. Oh, JP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's going to be fun. It's another it's another year worth of games, but we'll keep on doing what we're keeping on doing. If you want to support us, you could do that. Get in on you know all the stuff. Go to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash up to the past um, and sign up. It's it's a cool place to hang out and chat about these games and all of the kinds of strange stuff that the that we sort of chat about. It's all fun. And that's kind of about it, really. I'm going to finish there. It's been a long episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed these awards. You may not have agreed with all of them, but hopefully you've agreed with some. And you may have your own opinions on what the thing. If you do, feel free to tweet us or whatever um, and let us know what you think your favourite games were uh, or worst games were or anything or whether we got it so wrong that you uh, you know, you know you need to tell us that. Um, yes, so, do. yeah then please do. And on that note, I think we're going to end. So as ever, this has been 1989. We look forward to 1990. I have been Adrian Mills. I have been Graham Raddings. And you have been listening to Zap to the Past Golden Breadbin Awards for 1989. And we will see you again for 1990 soon. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuther, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap 64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.